Yo, how's everybody doing? You are listening to the My Mike and I podcast with your host, Noah Alvarez. That's me. Hope everyone's summer is going well. Quick shout out to Generic Sports for producing the instrumental playing in the background in the intro and outro. Also, shout out to Vince Correa for designing the My Mike and I logo. A couple of announcements to get to before we get into this week's show, so please bear with me. First things first, this podcast is available on Apple, Spotify, and SoundCloud per usual, but now it's also available on Google Play, Stitcher, and TuneIn. So whether you're listening on your smartphone, laptop, desktop, or if you're one of those few people who still have a BlackBerry for some reason, there's no excuses now to listen. It's on damn near every platform you can listen to a podcast on. Um, second thing, too, worth noting, I'm currently creating my own personal website at the moment. Hope to have that up by the end of July. And the website will host my podcast as well. So I'll be sure to uh, announce that. So be sure to stay tuned for that announcement when that officially gets published. Okay, so the next couple things, not really announcements, but a couple topics to rant on. So the first thing I wanted to talk about, last Friday I got invited to the Angels-Mariners game, and for those of you who don't know, I live like down the street from Angel Stadium, so it's you know really convenient for me to go to those games as much as I can, at least during the season. Season pretty good baseball. And it was their first game back from the All-Star game, and their first home game since Tyler Skaggs' death. May he rest in peace. So it was kind of a last minute thing though. I got invited from a, a friend of mine later that afternoon. I got to the stadium early. They had a nice ceremony for Skaggs. They did the moment of silence. All the players were wearing his jersey number and the name for that night's game. Uh, his mom threw out the first pitch to his best friend. It was just a really good heartwarming opening to a baseball game to watch. Then the game started. Bottom of the first. Angels put up seven. Yes, seven runs. And they batted around that inning and ended up winning that game 13-0. They threw a combined uh, no-hitter. But some of the stats and numbers from that game are just really wild to learn about. Listen to this. The Angels put up seven runs in the first inning, 13 runs in total. 7-13, those two numbers, is the date of Skaggs' birthday. Boom. Okay, Trout's first inning home run that he smoked to center field, 454 feet. Skaggs wore the number 45. Double boom. Both pitchers Taylor Cole and Felix Pena combined to throw a no-hitter, which I mentioned earlier, which was the first combined no-hitter in the state of California. Here's the kicker. Since July 13th, 1991, the same day Tyler Skaggs was born. I don't even know what to do with that information. I'm speechless. <laughs> what an honor. It just What an honor it was to be there that night. And what is such a big moment in sports history, really one of those things you'll look back on, or I will look back on, as a a, a great moment in sports history, and I was really glad to be a part of it. Truly, one-of-a-kind night. Next thing, I watched the movie Midsommar this past weekend and left the theater thinking, what the hell did I just watch? Uh, (laughs) I had read an article saying the movie was very weird. You know, watched the trailer, kind of had a gauge on what it was going to be about, looked very cultish and, and whatnot, but I was still intrigued to see it. So my girlfriend and I went this past weekend, and I just did not expect something that far out from the movie. Um, Ari Aster is the director of Midsummer. She also directed Hereditary, which came out in 2018. I had not seen that movie, but the friends of mine who have seen both movies thus far say they're very similar. Mm, 
it's like kind of her directing style. They leave you feeling, they, she leaves you feeling very weird after the movie, makes you think beyond the service level on, uh, on certain things. Nonetheless, this movie joins the likes of Taken and The Ruins as places to avoid when traveling. Uh, after Taken, I no longer wanted to visit France, and after The Ruins, I no longer wanted to go inside and tour at Mayan Pyramid. And now after Midsummer, I no longer want to visit any rural part of Sweden. You could, you can, you can ask all you want, but that's gonna be a hard no for me my entire life. The lesson I learned from that movie is to stay the hell away from anyone who's from Sweden and invites you over to their villages festival. Don't do it. All right, all right. Last thing. On July 12th, late at night, someone created an event on Facebook that broke the internet. It's worth mentioning. The event was titled, quote, Storm Area 51, They Can't Stop All of Us, end quote. And, and I think it was created as a joke. However, over a million people registered for that shit, that they were going to attend the event. And this became an ongoing meme on all social media platforms. People were designing attack plans and posting them online. They were posting workout videos preparing for, for the attack and so on and so forth. And it was honestly hilarious to see the content. And for those of you who don't know, Area 51 is a well-known place in Nevada, famous for hosting alien spacecraft. Yes, alien spacecraft and potentially holding extraterrestrial technology there. People have cited AAVs, also known as UFOs to common folk flying over that area over the last few decades, 30, 40 years, and it seems like they're up to some shady shit over there, for, you know. For a long time, the government denied its existence, but in 2017, CIA confirmed it, only opening up, you know, the general public's curiosity about aliens, and it's no longer really a myth. If you're interested in the topic, I suggest you look up Bob Lazar. He's a former physicist that worked at a base called S4, a few miles south of Area 51, he can confirm that he's worked on, yes, like a real human being has worked on an extraterrestrial spacecraft before. Like, I'll repeat that again just, you know, for one more time for impact. This is a human being saying that he's worked on extraterrestrial spacecraft. Uh, there's a cool documentary on Netflix titled Bob Lazar, Area 51 and Flying Saucers. Go check that out. He talks about it there. He also does a podcast with Joe Rogan where he talks about the Netflix special, but also his experience working at S4 and dealing with the alien spacecraft. Um, so really, really crazy shit that he gets into, man. And, and and for those of you who maybe like are skeptical about him, if you go check him out, and you're like, oh, I don't really believe this guy. He kind of seems skeptic. Um, a couple things to keep in mind. He mentions it on the Joe Rogan podcast. The government is like after him. They are for sure like trying to hush him up. They... They deleted, like, so many of his records. I, I forgot what school he went to, but, like, the college that he went to, like, they deleted all his records, the government. Try to delete, like, his, you know, his license history and whatever they can do to you. Basically erase them from existence. You know, people were saying that he never worked at the companies he worked at leading up to S4, trying to discredit him. I don't know. It was just... They're, they're, obviously hearing all that makes you think okay this guy obviously clearly did work for them and they are trying to cover up some shit because he's telling the truth um so yeah I, I just wanted to share that with you guys but of course you know something of this magnitude the government had to respond an air force spokesperson decided declared a warning basically advising people not to go with the, through with the plan it's all worth mentioning though because i think it shows that society as a whole is more aware of things and are tired of being lied to and, and just tired of being deceived by their government. 
Obviously, invading a base that trains military forces doesn't sound like a good idea for a common citizen, you know, but it shows people's desires to get the truth. A truth I'm sure the government has been wanting to avoid telling for a very, very long time. Alright, end of the rants. If you stuck it out this far, you might as well listen to the entire episode. It's really not that much longer. Uh, I know this time, the time of the total podcast seems daunting, but it's a fun conversation. I bring on my friend David Orajo, and we begin our discussion talking about hypothetical earthquake scenarios in California, because this was recorded like a day after the big earthquake, the 7.1 that we got on July 5th. Um, excuse me, July... Yeah, was it July 5th? It was July 5th. And we bounce around a few different topics after the earthquakes in regards to national disasters, learning to work with your hands and being resourceful, apocalypse scenarios, and much, much more. more. I hope you enjoy the conversation with David Araujo and I. So earthquakes, David, do you fear them? I I don't think I fear them. With earthquakes, I think I fear more of what would happen to like the people around me because mm-hmm. i think i'm kind of i have like survival instincts in a sense where i could probably survive like a major earthquake or or attempt to at least but i don't my parents you know i don't i don't think so so that's what kind of freaks me out about them not not necessarily the earthquake itself it's mm-hmm. how it's gonna affect everybody like the aftermath exactly yeah um, but we just had two of them recently. Yeah, and both were... I didn't feel the first one on July 4th, but July 5th, that 7.1, that one was a pretty gnarly one. You could feel that one pretty good at my house. And I guess pretty similar in the sense, like, what would I... Like, what steps or what procedures would I take after an earthquake, you know? Because especially, like, after the big one, like you said, you're like, I don't think my parents would be able to know what to do either, or they might just kind of, like, panic and add to the chaos exactly and that's what freaks me out about them it's i i mean i i I like to think that i'd be capable enough to handle an earthquake but in a sense i gotta you gotta think about everybody else too then you gotta think about your dog and your sisters or brothers and everybody around you so um significant other you ever seen that movie san andreas yeah so a little bit over exaggerated like oh, way yeah. over exaggerated but i do like the whole like how he has to put into action and it's like a huge earthquake obviously if you haven't seen the movie for the listeners but Dwayne the rock johnson has to go from like la area to san francisco area really quick and it's basically kind of turned into like a little anarchy like state but i don't know i feel like definitely like dog and as much family as I could would be like my main priorities. Exactly. But at the same time too, it's the thing that always comes to my mind and it's kind of selfish in myself is at what point if someone was hurt, do you, mm. what do you have? What do you do? Do you leave them behind? Obviously you're not going to leave family behind, but I mean like if you run into a friend or something and, and it's, or someone you, an associate and then it's, all of a sudden it becomes, oh man, do I help you or do I get my family to safety? And that that's the that's what I think about when an earthquake comes to mind or any type of disaster. Yeah, because that's, that's huge because you can run into your like boss or something and they can be like hurt, leaning gas or whatever, stranded on like the side of the road. And it's kind of like, 
what if this all works out and you want to go back to work? It's like, and you didn't help them. I don't know. <laughs> it kind of gets like an awkward situation if you both survived and had to like me to get later after the natural disaster. And you're like, hey, why don't you help me? And it's just like, I was looking out for myself, you know? Yeah, that's the hard part. It's comes down to a moral dilemma. And it's, it's just one of those things where you either have to help them or you don't. And you kind of have to keep going and put yourself first. Because you also can't carry someone with like two broken legs for miles to get to safety. And mm-hmm. if you leave them and say you're going to come back and you don't get a chance to come back, then you know, it's a big thing. I mean, fortunately, we haven't had that scenario yet, but eventually the big one will come. Mm-hmm. Do you have a designated apocalypse car? No, I... I low-key prep, like, in the garage, just, like, first aid kits. Like, I don't stockpile water or anything, but, like, I'll have first aid kits and, and something to get by through, like, a day. But I don't think I have, like, a designated car or anything or, like, a location or anything prepped out like that. That's, mm-hmm. I'd like to. That maybe, I'm, maybe in the near future, but that seems like a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. it does seem like a lot of work. And ideally, like, if I was living in my own place and had, like, two cars, I would have, like, one designated as my nine-to-five go-to-work car, and the other one can be the apocalypse car, you know? Have the stuff in the trunk ready to go, have a water cooler, have some extra gas, the first aid kits, like you mentioned, um, the jump wire cables, battery cables. So, just different stuff like that, I mean... I feel like it doesn't have to be all done at once, but if I could just like periodically do it every now and then, like that'd be solid. How far do you think you could get in the car? That's the thing too. Ideally, like what I've in those movies and stuff, like the the cars with the biggest gas tanks. So while like a Bronco and like those big old F one fifties or big Dodge Rams, old ones, they may have like terrible gas mileage. But they have like 25, 20 gallon tanks. So you exactly. can Some of them like have store a lot tanks. of gas. And the thing with like Hondas and stuff is like, yeah, they're really good on gas mileage, but they're only like 10 or 12 gallon tanks. So you can go through them pretty fast. You need to fill up a little bit more. See, but my concern with that is we live, we don't live in flat air, in the flat area. We have a lot of bridges. A lot of the roads are built on top of, hills and other i'm not an engineer so i don't know what they build them on um <laughs> but what if you can't get past an area you get to a point where there's a bridge and it's, the roads are destroyed that's what i mean like how far can you get in the car mm. see i think i'd rather stay where you are it's like if your home survived it didn't fall down you know and maybe barricade yourself in there make sure no one comes in to like that's true. It's Steal almost like a purge got. setup. Yeah, exactly. Because at, at the end of the day, everyone's going to try to survive. And once someone else runs out of stuff, they're going to come looking for more supplies and they're going to go ransack homes and stuff. But <laughs> I think I'd rather stay at the house. Yeah. Okay. So that's true. I That makes sense. I guess you would need a pretty fortified house, like weapons. What would you be your weapon of choice? Let's say let's turn this into something different. Zombie apocalypse. Zombie apocalypse. Definitely some type of rifle. I'm not a gun expert or anything. Um, I've never shot a gun. But oh damn! Okay. Some, some type of some type of rifle, long range weapon or something. 
Um, and something where you can get with like a, what are they called? Like a common round that you can use in them. You know, it's not mm. something crazy where you got to go out and get like some huge bullet for it. Maybe something like a nine millimeter, something that takes like a nine millimeter or 22 or something that's common you can find at a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what's tough too because people would first go to a gun and while I would like to have a gun, like preferably a shotgun, maybe a Mossberg, mm, I think also like carrying an axe or some sort of like, I am not a samurai, I don't have a samurai sword, but like something like that, a huge blade, maybe a machete, something where you don't need ammo for and you could just like swing it really quick. Even like in, if you watch a Stranger Things show, they put like a bat and they have like thorns around the bat, okay, they, yeah. like a thorn vine. I've seen that. So I think something I put you can nails through a bat. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sticking nails through a bat. I think that's what it is. So something you don't have like to need ammo for because then there's gonna be that scenario where you do need ammo, and you're gonna be constantly needing to look for ammo if that was your only weapon. I, I like that machete idea. I feel like a machete is gonna be light enough to swing around for a while, and compact enough where you're not carrying like a three foot sword or something where it's mm-hmm. it's cumbersome yeah you ever i think ideally too like a bow and arrow would be kind of cool getting enough arrows would be the problem and also i mean for me i've only shot a bow and arrow once so like obviously i don't have any expertise in it but if people if you had to be happen to be good at it i think that'd be a go-to move too yeah i don't know it's like you said the arrows you run out of arrows and you got to go pick them up or you got to make more i don't know how to make any (laughs) <laughs> or where even to get any yeah you gotta go to a big five but at that point i feel like they'd be ransacked i'd stick to i'll stick with like a gun and like a machete the baseball bat idea seems good mm-hmm. and it seems too like we keep mentioning stores but i guarantee you like the local walmarts all those local big fives they're all going to be kind of raided and pillaged and depending on what time we get there all those things are going to be empty so i think feeling like knowing where big fives local warehouses like where their stuff oh, comes their in like where the shipment stuff are. comes in yeah where finding those would be huge knowing where those are is a huge key because you'd be able to instead of going to the local stores those are going to run out faster go to the warehouse where actual sources and i'm sure they have like thousands compared to just like a few dozens yeah that is true i mean another thing you want to keep in mind if you can get out of the city i mean we kind of live in like a it's jam-packed people it's it, there's cities yeah. I, i'd like to get somewhere where it's more rural there's towns in the area but they're not major cities next to each other because mm-hmm. then you got less zombies or less threats mm-hmm. uh, maybe some open area you can set up like kind of security and see that's why i mentioned like kind of driving exactly not super far but just somewhere i can go that's a little bit more quiet I, that's what i do fear about the big cities it's like Big cities mean more people, more chaos. It'll, I think, feel like it's more likely to turn into a purge, where like if you lived in a small town, small town, they'll like rally with one another and kind of like stick together, you know, but not like go after one another. Exactly. That's that's the thing. I mean, I feel like at least where I live, I feel like it'll be chaos. Everyone's selfish and <laughs> yes, yeah. looking after themselves. But I feel like a smaller area, they come maybe come together and you know, kind of help each other out. Because everyone knows everyone there. Exactly. So you got to put that into mind too. It's like where we're from, it would kind of suck if something like that happened. 
or any zombies or any natural disaster earthquakes because it's so everything's so compact and so close to each other it's and like i said the roads are built on top of hills and different landscapes so you might be able to get a couple miles and then you might not be able to drive over the next bridge or over the next mm -hmm. area or town so that kind of limits your yeah how far we can go i didn't even go. think about it like freeway overpasses exactly i mean there's yeah. a lot of those and all those for a serious earthquake like that could really just shake the hell out of it and knock it down exactly. those would be all gone yeah but that just puts it just makes you think how like powerful earthquakes are too because you gotta think the freeways are concrete that that stuff's dense and heavy and an earthquake could be like 90 or 100 miles at the epicenter from where you feel it and that thing's still shaking everything and those are like your low 6.5s or your 5.2s and you're still feeling it from miles away so that's kind of scary to think that you know underneath the ground things kind of shift and just kind of move the entire landscape mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting like why people decided to like you know put a whole city in like a whole surrounding suburb area in an area on top of a huge fault you know it's overpopulation yeah that's what it is but just it seems like a bad idea it does like fuck it, it i think it comes down to money and without a doubt yeah, yeah. it's they're not gonna build homes where there's no fault but it's shitty landscape and the weather sucks they're gonna come down to where the beaches are and where they can sell homes for like a million something because mm -hmm. um, at least where i live the average home price is between like six hundred thousand, and they go up to like four or five million mm -hmm. you know, depending on the area um, yeah and it's just i don't know like when you think because I've driven to Can like through Kansas City and Kansas and Missouri and Colorado and those three states. And it's very like tornado alley during there, right? Like okay. last summer, not last summer, two summers ago, I was driving through Kansas and I was just coming out of De not Denver, Colorado. And as I was passing the state line, like the weather changed. It was like a thunderstorm and started hailing a little bit and it was really windy. And I just got really scared because, like, fuck, this is a tornado. Like, why do people live out here? Like, why do people deal with this? And it made me think, like, okay, well, I, maybe there is no perfect place to live. You know, like, California is nicer, better weather. You don't have to deal with tornadoes. But you have to, it's a huge fault line, you know? Yeah, San Andreas I mean, Fault is, like, huge. We get a lot of wildfires out here, too. So, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm sure, it's like you said, nowhere is perfect to live in. You kind of have to weigh your, your options and mm -hmm. what you're willing to, to live with. Um, I'd personally take earthquakes over a tornado. Yeah, same here. Yeah. Same here. Tornado seems scary. That thing, if it comes <laughs> over your home, is just taking you out. An earthquake, you might get lucky and be like a hundred miles away from the epicenter, and you're you're okay. Mm -hmm. you know, but uh, what worries me though too is there's so many tall buildings. Like Los Angeles is built up, exactly. and any big city in that area, there's a lot of tall buildings around us. You know, tall buildings are gonna fall. Like, just what, ha what if you happened to be, I mean, not too long ago, we were in L.A. Yeah. And celebrating someone's birthday. And we were, like, on the 17th floor of this building. Like, what if there was an earthquake at that time? Like, we would have been shit out of luck. Oh, yeah, exactly. And the only way out, I mean, they have stairs, but I don't I didn't know where the stairs were at. <laughs> and the, the only options were elevators. And imagine being in an elevator when that happened. 
Mm, yeah. That would suck. Because you're confined. There's no way out. It's either you're falling down or get stuck. So now you're stuck in the elevator for hours, days, mm-hmm. possibly, if how, depending on how bad the earthquake is. Mm-hmm. So that, that's what kind of freaks me out is being getting trapped somewhere where you can't get out. And now you kind of figure it out. Mm-hmm. And you think about other parts of the country, too, especially like East Coast or like the South. They deal with hurricanes. Uh, also, like if you go more north, blizzards. So there's all kinds of natural disasters, but I don't know the earthquake. I mean, definitely because people are talking about it now. It definitely has like an eerie feeling just because how big we don't know how big the big one is. Exactly. At least with the blizzard and a hurricane, and even a tornado, you can kind of see it coming. It's like portrayed on weather. Yeah. Earthquakes, they really don't know. They've been saying the big one's gonna come for the past ten years, and they could say it could be anywhere from now till you know twenty, thirty years down the road. Oh, so. Yeah. I don't know. I I think I like these little mini earthquakes we have because I feel like that's releasing some tension on like the fault line. So it's almost like if you had like uh, I don't know, like like a rubber band or something, and you're stretching it out, and then you're kind of bringing it back. And I feel like that's what these mini earthquakes do. Is like they you're. I don't know how faults work. I'm sure they say one's on top of another. Or they push on each other, and they either snap or or they whatever happens with them. But I feel like these small ones kind of release tension in certain areas on the fault, so it kind of keeps them from like a major big one happening. Mm-hmm. So I mean that's my theory. I'm not a geologist or a, I don't know who studies earthquakes. Mm-hmm. I mean, just knowing from like what I took. Uh... In my geology, I took a geology class in junior college, like an intro to geology, so I'm not a geology expert. But I know the San Andreas Fault, like the coat from the fault to the coast, like LA and San Francisco, is moving up towards like Washington. And the rest of California inland, like the Sierra Nevadas and stuff like that, that's moving down towards Mexico. So it's kind of like, I forgot what the name of that fault is, but it's just like one's going north, one's going south, where there's like faults where they clash into each other faults that pull away okay. or have a fault that's sliding up They're and down until we get really severe there. earthquakes that and makes sense so i'm sure i'm sure an earthquake with on a fault like that probably comes from when like they snag on each other mm-hmm. and they keep moving and eventually they just kind of break free and i feel probably maybe that caused an earthquake what I think is going to be crazy though because like i said they're both moving in different directions let's say that big one does happen are we going to get two different states? Like, it's going to be, like, almost an island, right? You think it's I don't going to be think, California island? I don't think we'll get an island. I think everything's just going to implode on each, on top of each other and just become a huge pile of dirt in the ocean that eventually sinks. Mm. I don't think we become an island. Dang, you think it would sink? Just all those people I there? I think it just all... I guess us. It all just implodes on top of each other, yeah. Oh, I don't think, damn, I don't think it's an island. There's no way it snaps that perfectly where everything just kind of floats away and now we're an island. Mm-hmm. That'd be cool. <laughs> Definitely our home values will go up. <laughs> yeah, because you're on an island yeah, now. Yeah, you're on an island now, yeah. Surrounded by water. But then I feel like then we got to worry about tsunamis. Mm-hmm. Oh, after that? Yeah, for sure. That's That's the second scariest thing is... They show that too in the San Andreas movie where like he gets to San Francisco okay. and there's like an aftershock yeah. and then oh, yeah, the there's a huge tsunami like coming over the Golden Gate Bridge. But yeah, that'd be like the, the next biggest thing is like, I don't know how the tsunami works. I'm sure like the tide went a little higher yeah. with yesterday's earthquake 
because that one's a pretty good size one. But I don't think anything else would like kind of knock it. It would have to be a really severe earthquake with the epicenter oh, yeah. close to the with ocean. Because I think that's what happens with like the tsunamis in like Japan and mm-hmm. um, where they get an earthquake out in the ocean. And I, I think I was watching like some documentary on it and they, they explained it in a sense where the earthquake causes like a like the sea level to lower. So like the water level sinks into there and it um, the earthquake itself kind of pushes the water out and then mm-hmm. kind of causes a tsunami or something like that. Um, you want to talk about bad places to live. I mean, yeah. Japan, it's like tiny island <laughs> next to an earthquake vault. So you're getting earthquakes. There's also like volcanoes there, There's right? The, I think so. And they have a lot of nuclear power out there too. So it's... So just like a don't move to Japan. That seems like a shitty place to live. I don't know. I, I've, I'd move to Japan. That's, I'd that's, visit. Uh, have you been there? No. Oh, no. There? I'd go there. I would totally go to Japan. That's on my... Uh, bucket list? On my bucket list, yeah. Yeah. If I could go anywhere, it'd be Japan. I'd just be like really worried for my safety because you're you need like there's nowhere to go like you're on the island you would have to f- have a boat yeah like at least here in california we're landlocked we can go that's what i was thinking like go more inland yeah you can go more inland. you know in case yeah, of like an Texas. earthquake or something try and get inland as possible arizona nevada but japan you're just kind of yeah. stuck i think i'd go to texas texas that's yeah. a far drive texas big texas yeah. things are bigger than texas. they say you can fit everybody in texas Really? That's Everyone in the say, United yeah. States? Everybody in the United States and Texas. I think what? they said the world. No. Yeah. You, you can't fit up. 7 billion people. I got I to gotta fact check that. Fact check that, yeah. I don't know if it was the United States or if they had said it was everybody in the world. But I think they explained it to her since like everybody gets like a little piece of land and it's right next to each other and it's just enough for roads. But I think Texas is that big. It said Texas and Africa. Well, yeah, Af- Africa is huge. Like, Africa is huge. But I think that's a thing. It's totally a thing. Mm, I see it. So according to the UN, the United Nations population database, the world population in 2010 was 6.9 billion. The land mass of Texas was 268,820 square miles. So if you divide that, each person would get a thousand and eighty-four feet square feet per person, which is enough space for like a townhouse. Yeah, I guess you're right. Wow, everyone could fit in Texas as of 2010. I think the population is a little so higher now. Yeah. Wow. We need holy to re- shit. Fact, redo that numbers. I want to see if everybody still could fit in there. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think a lot of parts of Texas get. Um, they get hurricanes. Yeah, Houston. Uh, and uh, tornadoes, too, in some parts. The north side, yeah. Yeah. So it probably wouldn't be the smart thing to put everybody in there. But what I like about Texas is I feel like in a lot of the Midwest, from my time traveling there, everything's built more disaster-proof. Okay. Like I went to the Kansas City Royals game, and right next door is the Chief Stadium. And both those stadiums back-to-back are like built like to withstand, withstand a tornado they're both like the go-to places where if you know you need shelter and your home gets wiped away you go to those stadiums because those are built and they're just they're like way more monumental like it's i don't even know how to describe it but it just looks way better protected against a natural disaster compared to the los angeles coliseum you know 
or the StubHub Center or any of that stuff. Like these things just tower and they sit about the same amount of people, maybe a little bit more, but it's just built so huge. Dallas Cowboy Stadium in Arlington, Texas, that thing's huge. That thing's like a little planet. It's so like that thing. I don't think any earthquake or any tornado or any hurricane could take that thing down. I'm sure they keep that in mind when they bring stuff up like that, where they could Mm -hmm. double as like a shelter. Mm -hmm. So I'm sure that's, I'm sure that's in like the planning. Cause that's what happened in new Orleans when they had hurricane Katrina and they used the Superdome where the saints play for the shelter as far as the things. But you know, like that stuff is, it's good. Like you said, to have it multi-purpose. See, that's another thing that freaks me out is hurricanes. You know, because that's a lot of water damage is a lot of stuff, man. You're talking about you're losing your car, your your home. If you don't have insurance, what are you gonna do? Mm-hmm. You know, because I've done framing and drywall, and a small AC leak or any little water leak in your home, you got to redo all your drywall, and it gets expensive. Mm-hmm. So that that stuff freaks me out more in the sense of if you're not financially stable or you don't have the right insurance, um, they could ruin your life you, you mm-hmm. just got to start all over yeah i have never been to new orleans but i've had friends and family visit new orleans and kind of go in that those areas really deeply affected by hurricane katrina and they say you can still see like the water damage along walls of certain buildings it's just very especially in like the very poor areas like a lot of that stuff still abandoned and still like you see a lot of abandoned yeah. stuff in the area well, from sure, they can't go back because you got mold in there now and it's not healthy for you to be in there and it's like you said it's all in the poor areas where they can't afford to get that repaired or right or they might not own it they might be apartment complexes that somebody else owned and they might have they might not be able to afford to repair them or it's not worth it for them to repair anymore mm-hmm. you know they might as well just let it go or sell it to somebody who's going to do something with it or develop it into something else a park or a plaza mm-hmm. you know? continuing the theme with shady places to live i mean new orleans is below sea level and it's like in hurricane valley so i mean that would be a good like trivia question or like for people like like what's the shittier place to live japan new orleans on an earthquake fault and etc etc you know or tornado alley i don't know i think tornadoes man tornadoes win it tornadoes win it because they're they're you can't really predict when they show up kind of like earthquakes and they just wreck everything in the in their path. Mm-hmm. You know, with an earthquake, you can get lucky and it's a small magnitude and you might get a little bit of damage or you get a big one where it just, but you might be so far away where it's not causing too much damage. But I feel like a tornado just wreck everything in its path. Even mm-hmm. a small one, just ripping roofs off homes or other property shopping malls or something. It's yeah, just, exactly. That, I think that's scary because you can't predict when they show up. They just pop up and... Mm-hmm. wreck everything and even like living in california there's earthquakes like every year they say but you don't feel like a lot of them no. i want to say in 2018 and maybe there was like one that you could feel yeah. where if you live in tornado alley kansas oklahoma nebraska all those areas they're getting like at least 10 15 depending on the area too you can get like at least a dozen a year a year that's so, a lot you're, you're you're fighting off a lot not all of them are the same yeah of course the same intensity but that's that's but still scary to think more about common more common more often yeah because we we get like one earthquake a year maybe well, i'm sure we get yeah plenty that we don't feel they tell us that we get a lot yeah that we just don't feel i'm sure they're constantly going 
there's like a website somewhere where you can see um, what are those graphs that record those things? I forgot what they're called. Mm, a seismic graph. Seismic. Yeah, graph, there's yes. one constantly um, running, and they'll tell you, oh, like a 1.2 or 0.9. Um, there's a website somewhere out there. I remember looking at it on like high school or junior high, and it's constantly going like 24 hours and. I'm sure we get plenty, just not very major big ones often. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it says right here, anything from a three to a five and a half is like what you can feel, what most, a good amount of people will feel. And there's a lot of earthquakes. It says around 900,000 per year, and this is across the globe, that are earthquakes under 2.5. Okay. So you can measure them under 2.5, but you won't really. People don't really feel them. Like the normal person won't feel it. There you go. You're all constant earthquakes in California. Mm-hmm. We're around the world. Who mm-hmm. else gets earthquakes? Japan. Japan. Uh, I mean, the United States. Chile. Chile. But I think it's from the same fault. Same fault. Same yeah, fault. it runs all the way down. It runs all the way down. Okay. Because they had a really. They had like a nine yeah. pointer. I remember when I was in college. Okay. And Chile? Yeah, Chile had a really... Do you remember that one that happened in Haiti? I think it was like 2000 and See, the trippy thing about Haiti, 10? I'll look it up too, but that was only a six. Was it? But the thing is about Haiti is that it's such a poor, yeah. developed, undeveloped country, the third world. A lot of their infrastructure is not built for... Pro, not com- exactly. mm, That's what me. happened to the earthquake that was in mexico city like a year ago i think it was like a year ago Um, oh that's right i think that one was like a six as well but like the infrastructure like you said the houses just fall Um, because i remember one time we were in vegas and there was a gentleman in the elevator with us um, and an earthquake hit it was like around october i think it was only like a 5.6 or something and we got out of the elevator and the whole lobby was kind of moving back and forth and everyone's just kind of walking around ignoring it and this guy was from mexico city and he was a little freaked out because he goes oh man where i'm from houses start falling down yeah and it's it's like you said it's a poor country and they don't have the same building standards that or codes you know because I was born in Mexico and my dad built a house in Mexico a couple years ago and there's no, he doesn't need any permits. There's no codes. There's no guidelines that he has to meet. Uh, you kind of just buy the land and you build what you want on it. Right. Yeah. You don't need that infrastructure. Haiti. So I did the research. Haiti was actual 7.0 clean 7.0. But like I said, their infrastructure was really, really, really bad. They weren't prepared for that at all. And that's why it did so much devastation. Chile last in 2018 had an 8.3 earthquake and that would trigger the tsunami over there and some of the islands got it. I remember hearing about the 8.3 because 8.3 is pretty harsh. And I remember saying that the waves and the tide would be higher all the way up to Santa Barbara. Um, not a lot higher. And I remember like watching, not watching, seeing some pictures about how okay. high, like how much higher it went. And like even in Newport and Huntington, it did it maybe was like 10, 15 feet. So, you know, there's that, but 
Chile wasn't as affected as Haiti was, even though it was a harder earthquake because they had a better infrastructure and the buildings had more, you know, basement or not basements, the infrastructure better compared to last. Yeah, so that's crazy how one earthquake in a completely different country can affect a different country. Like you said, like with the waves getting higher and then now you're you don't know when there's an earthquake in Chile for hours and you could be out in the ocean and all of a sudden the waves get heavier yeah, and they're bigger and now you're out there on a surfboard or on a small little boat or a canoe and now you're just like, what the hell am I going to do? <laughs> yeah, you're like, fuck. Yeah. That'd be scary too. If, I mean, if you were a big wave surfer, that'd be cool for you. I'm yeah. sure as everyone's running away from the you're oceans, going in there. like they're running towards the ocean. Nah, man, I don't mess with the ocean. That's yeah. scary. There's a lot of things in there that could happen. You get sharks, huge waves, those rip ties that just pull you out. And, mm-hmm. um, no, the ocean's a scary place. Yeah. You want to talk about scary places to live? I mean, ugh, the ocean's pretty eerie because only, like, what, less than 20% of it is discovered? Yeah. I don't think there's anything hiding in there. You don't think so? No, no way. Have you seen you don't the, think so? No, not unless. Have you seen the new Godzilla movie? Yes. Yeah. I you know was just how about the, to reference okay. that. You know how they uh, in that movie that they found out that the Earth is hollow, and I guess that's how Godzilla was getting from continent to continent because he would swim in through caves and in, in the ocean and end up somewhere else so quickly. And that's how he would disappear off the radar and they were never able to find him. Unless the world is actually hollow and there isn't like a full molten center and it's just flowing water through there. Um, then, yeah, I, th- I think I think there's something hiding in there because there could be a completely different ecosystem under all that. Or yeah. That, and maybe nothing can get out. But I just... It seems possible because water... I can't picture the ocean holding all that water because water likes to flow Mm -hmm. and it always finds the least resistance. So if there's some type of cave system down there, then it could be possible. Something's hiding out there. We haven't discovered something big. I don't think it's like a big Megalodon shark. It might just be a different, smaller, smaller. (laughs) You ever seen the Meg? No, I didn't watch Uh, that. No, I try to avoid shark movies because I, I don't like the ocean because of sharks. Because mm. with my luck, I'm going to get in there and the shark's going to get me. Mm. Um, that can, yeah, make you pretty terrified. Yeah. But to give you an official number, only 5% of the ocean has been discovered. According to World Atlas, we've actually discovered 100% of the moon and 100% of Mars, but only 5% of the ocean need to invest some money into the ocean yeah i want to see what's out yeah we do i want to see what's out there i want to i think even if there's not like a huge animal like what if there's like this dope energy source like under there that's like more renewable and like cleaner and not fucking coal yeah but i don't think we'll ever switch to any clean oh i know we're not going to switch entirely well even entirely or even a small percentage like right now the big things solar and uh electric Mm -hmm. energy or um instead of like all those electric cars coming out the teslas uh the chevy bolt the hybrid the prius um i just i don't see it it's not 
there's so much money involved in coal and crude oil that it's you, there's so many politics in that that you, right. there's no way but my justify my fear it. is we're gonna run out eventually and i think as we get closer and closer to that date we're gonna see i feel like right now too electric cars and like like you mentioned there's only a few that are fully electric and then there's a lot of hybrids but even then compared to the whole like car market there's not really people are still gonna want their sports cars what i'm trying to say people are still gonna want their huge hummers and their huge like things they can off-road in and there's no electric vehicles for that yet there's no electric trucks not that i know of there's no electric sports cars i know tesla's gonna come out well, with a roadster yeah i saw that i'm waiting for tesla to come out with a truck yeah that that's, would be cool. that's the new wave you need that yeah but they're so expensive. True. That's the thing too. Electric, electric, all electric trucks, even hybrids, they're kind of a little bit pricey. So once like, they can, that's what I'm saying. Once they can mass produce them and make them more efficient, I think we'll see more and more of them. And that makes it more accessible. It'll drive the price down a little bit exactly. because you can buy an old beater Toyota or Honda for, you know, $2,000. But even like an older Prius is still worth i don't know actually how much the blue buck worth is on it but i'm sure it's worth more than two grand i don't know how much an older pre i think maybe like five or eight mm-hmm. but those pre get good guys gas mileage i saw those that commercial for a new one said it got like 120 miles per gallon wow. per gallon wow Fuck. my car gets 30 on a good <laughs> <Yeah>. day <laughs> on a good day yeah on a on a freeway with no traffic yeah but i I don't know if I could switch to a Prius. Like you said, there's people still want their Hummers. Comes down to preference, you know. I think the only like an electric car. The only hybrid or electric car that I've seen that I've really like liked is the Lexus CT two hundred H. It's like a hybrid car, but it looks like a Volkswagen Golf or like a okay. Mazda three, the hatchback kind. And so, I think those are like you know, it's a little bit. It's like almost like a small SUV. So you know, you know what I mean. You know which I'm talking yeah. about. And so those aren't like really tiny sedan or really tiny coupes, but they're a little bit bigger than sedans too. They're not as big as an SUV. So I kind of like those. I think I'd go with a Tesla. Mm-hmm. If I bought an electric car, a Tesla. The Model S. Uh, no, the X. I think mm-hmm. it's the X, the one with the opens the doors with the like wings or whatever. Yeah, yeah. the crossover one. Yeah, the crossover one. Yeah. That's what I'd go with. Same here. You can fit more things. Yeah. Tesla's crazy. They can like drive and park itself now. Yeah, that's what I want. I need that whole, you hit the little button and it comes to you. Mm-hmm. The parking thing, yeah. Or even that hour where it drives itself. Yes. In traffic, an Dude. hour where you don't have to hit the gas. and I'm, Of course, you're going to be paying attention, you know. But see, that's the thing. I feel like people would abuse that power and just like take a quick nap, you know? Oh, you have. There's videos on YouTube of people doing that. But I think I'd go with that. That that hour would be a lifesaver in traffic. Mm-hmm. If you're driving every day, Monday through Friday to work and you get off right on rush hour, you know, and you're sitting in traffic for two hours on the way home. That hour of kind of a little carefree would be kind of cool. Yeah. Just make your day a little better. Of course. Yeah. Because then. You wouldn't have to worry about like hitting the gas, especially like right now too. Like, if you're a 
if you drive a manual car and you're stuck in traffic like that, that's like the worst because you're constantly oh, the worst. To trying to throw into first. That's why I bought a, the car I have now. It's an automatic. But my first car was this um, gray primer Nissan with like blue flames on the side. And it was like, a, it was manual. <laughs> and it was in traffic when, because I, I had an ROP class in high school that was in Anaheim. Oh, shit. Yeah, so I was driving to Anaheim twice a twice a week, Tuesdays and Thursdays, and uh, it was right during traffic time. We got out of class at two thirty. You get on the freeway and it's traffic all the way up to Anaheim, and it's uh, it was first gear neutral, first gear neutral, first gear neutral oh, the man. whole way. Yeah, and then you start doing long trips and you get cramps in your legs. Really? You getting cramps for that? Yeah, you get cramps from that. Especially, uh, if you're on my, because you always gotta, you're using both feet. Right. Can you drive stick shift? Yeah, I've driven it, I've learned basically, and I've never had to drive it again. Okay. But I went out like two times with a friend and he showed me how to drive on an old stick shift buggy. Alright. Yeah, see, my dad just bought, he was like in high school, he's like, you get $1,000 for a car. That's it. And I was like, okay, cool that i don't need a new car i'm okay with whatever he gets me i come home he goes hey your car's in the garage stick shift i don't know how to drive stick shift you know he doesn't teach me because he worked he was working two jobs at a time well he still is so the only time i ever saw him was when he came home to change to go to his overnight job and uh the weekends but normally he was sleeping or we would go uh somewhere with the family so never really taught me so i had to teach myself so that same day i had to drive it down to dmv to get inspected and everything so because we had bought it from like a marine so it came from like texas and the dmv wanted to inspect it but yeah you teach yourself drumstick shit for like four years before i switched to automatic Mm -hmm. i had a friend and when i was going to school in sacramento state and both of us took a trip. We were both in San Francisco. And he had a Nissan Integra, a stick shift. And he took it to San Francisco. And there's okay. like, you know, a lot of hilly areas. I don't know if you've ever been. I have, yeah. But he, man, I give him props. Because, you know, every time you're in like neutral, it rolls back. Yeah. And there's like some steep ass hills. So he'd have to like be really quick with it, like hitting the shift gear. Yeah. Then, um, sorry, hitting the clutch and then hitting the gas and throwing the first really quick before it stalls out. And... He was like, you know, I would say like 13 for 13. Like he didn't stall out once, but I was impressed because there were some gnarly hills on the way oh, up. Yeah, I, dro- I drove my car out there one time in my senior year. Um, and I had, had a little automatic, well, not a manual car. And uh, those hills are big, especially yeah. if you get a red light on one and you, yeah. you're stuck there for a while. And then the car comes right to the back of right you. Right behind you, like, you. Yeah. Oh, man. Because you're just like, oh, I don't want to tap. I don't want like, to tap. I have a yeah. neutral, bro. Like, back up. Yeah. But you get used to it because these cars will tell you where they're, like, the little area is where you can let go of the clutch and hit the gas and it's moving forward. But a lot of the new automatic cars, or the manual cars, I keep saying automatic. My dad bought a Fiat and it has a delay on the rollback. It's, a, it's manual. So when you put it into first... Um, you don't really have to time it with the clutch and the gas because it gives you, I think it's like a five-second uh, stall where it doesn't roll back, where like uh, the computer will keep the car in place. Oh, that's So smart. you can just hit the gas, yeah. 
Yeah, like it won't roll back on you. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of cool. Dope. Yeah. Yeah, that's um. Even well, I haven't driven too many manual cars, especially the newer ones. The one I drove was like a '94 Bug. But from one of some of the other stuff, like I had to drive my uncle's BMW one time, and his was a manual, but it's all panel shifters. Okay. It was like right above his steering wheel, and this was probably like 2014, 15. Yeah. So I was only driving for a few years. But I was thinking a lot of, especially the luxury cars, anything manual now, I'm sure it's just like choo choo choo. Oh, and the little paddle so shifters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Even my friends got that new to the 2017 Accord, and it's an automatic, but you can switch it to little mm. paddle shifters, you know? Yeah. But that's kind of cool. I don't think I'd ever do that. That's what a lot of cars have now, too, yeah, because even a, my mom has a Mazda CX-5, and like Mazdas are kind of. They have sport, that has a sport mode. Yeah. And also you can throw it in manual and it's just like you basically click the the transmission selector down or up for it to, yeah. to shift up or down. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. I've seen those around. I like Mazda's. Mazda, dude, Mazda, Mazda thing with those rotary engines they have. What's you, the deal with them? I have no idea. Well, I, they're, they're cool because they don't have a... Oh man, it's been a it's not an inline engine. I know what you're talking about, but I don't. Well, know they they is. have a rotary, so yeah, they don't have cylinders. They don't have like pistons in them. They have it's almost like a it's like a triangle, but it's more rounded, and it just rotates inside of like the block. Um, and one port is intake, so it'll rotate and it'll suck in the air and it'll move over again. And then you got the combustion, and then it. Wow. It's got like three ports or something like that. Yeah, um, but those those things are cool. I used to be into cars in high school. Mess with the Hondas. Never had a Mazda, but it's on the bucket list one day. Yeah, that's cool. I didn't even know that Mazdas were like that. I've always liked the Mazda Speed 3s, yeah. okay. the ones I was talking yeah. about, the station wagon kind. Those are kind of cool. And I would like to learn how to, I would like to be able to get a stick one. One day, yeah. But that's the thing too, man. I, I just feel like I don't really want to buy too many gas cars like from here on out. I want to try and get hybrid as much as I can. Yeah, see, I, I'm on like the fence with that because morally I'm like, yeah, you should switch to electric. But the part of me that used to like cars in high school was like, I'll probably be dead before we run out of it, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of selfish on my part because, you know, you're not, I'm not too yeah. thinking about like if I ever have kids and whatever, how it'll affect them. Or even grandchildren or whatever. But I'm waiting for the day because I feel like we're not too far from it. I remember I was being I was like in a communications class and like we had to give a public speech about something we liked and it could be whatever we wanted to talk about. But this one guy did a he did a persuasive speech on why like we should all adapt the technology it's almost like Tesla. I, the way he described it was like Tesla's technology, but it's like in an adapter form and you could put it on any car. Like you could put it on an old Ford, an old Chevy, your regular Mazda, you know, your regular Toyota from 2004, whatever year. Any car that's not hybrid, you could basically make it a hybrid. And he said at that time in 2013, 14, that this like technology was going to be like, it's worked on right now. And they're like, so I don't know how far along they are right now. But I feel like that's going to be within the 10. 10 15 year range where you could just like add something to your car and it'll make it hybrid or just more gas efficient okay that'd be cool 
I don't know if people would actually do it though. Like if they you leave it to, to if they leave it down to an option. That That's guy, what I'm saying. You can't leave it down to an option. Yeah, that guy with the Shelby whatever 450 or I don't know I don't know much about muscle cars isn't gonna go get a battery on his car to make it a hybrid. Right, but if they needed to make it, it's still a good way. Instead of like, hey, you gotta drive this Prius or the Shelby. It's like, well, okay, we can actually give you this thing where your Shelby is now a little bit more gas efficient. Maybe it's a hybrid even. I don't know. I think that's like, it's a good compromise where you can still keep the like Mustangs and and even like from the old 60s versions to even the current Mustangs or even any sports car, you know, Challengers, Chargers, Camaros, all that kind of stuff. You can kind of like get the best of both worlds. That'd be cool. Yeah. I'd do it with one of my cars maybe. I don't think I'd do it with all... I mean, my car, I got the Toyota Corolla, the Eco version. I don't, I don't know what that means. It just it, the difference was two miles per gallon. One, the regular Corolla got like thirty, and then mine gets thirty-two, mm. according to Toyota. But there's so many options out there. But it's like, yeah. but that just comes back to like natural disasters. But even though running out of crude oil isn't really i don't think that'd be considered a natural disaster i mean you're pulling stuff out of the earth but that seems more of a i wouldn't even know what the category is after like a financial crisis or more of like an environmental crisis be like a resource crisis yeah like a resource crisis imagine if we ran out of like fresh water or something like that exactly you know yeah because that's that's another big scary thing is you're now you're out of the crude oil that you need to make gas or even oil or all this other petroleum products. So what do you do at that point? I mean, not everyone can afford electric cars and I doubt the company's making all this electrical product that mm-hmm. is going to lower the, if anything, that's going to skyrocket. So people who can't afford, what do you do? If you need to get to your job, you can't get gas or, if there is gas left over, I'm sure it's not going to be cheap. It'll be like no, forty or fifty dollars like a gallon. Ten dollars a gallon, shit like that. Yeah. Well, they tried doing that in California. Really? Um, I think uh, the first time Jerry Brown was in office, he wanted gas to be like twenty-four dollars a gallon, and you were going to get limited to a certain amount a week. Wow, he wanted to yeah. limit it like that. Yeah. Sounds and, terrible. Yeah, that would suck. But I mean, it does. But I get his argument too. It's better for the environment, all that stuff. I just think that's like a really, you can't just throw people into that. You need to like ease into it. Like, hey, let's go to five. You know? No, he was trying to just throw it in there. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah. he wanted. Fuck. From my understanding, I, but this was back when I was in high school, I think. Um, but I remember when the teachers talking about it, talking about how uh, he was for it, but he wasn't for how fast he wanted to initiate everything because he wanted to jump because i think gas at this time was already like 514 for like a cup for like a month and i remember that i think it was my senior year and um they were he was talking about he goes oh i'm all for less driving and more public transportation see that's the thing like especially here in southern california public transportation is not not that good maybe here in the area that we live in too like orange county and southern county where you live it's not that great at all if you go to san francisco sacramento like the public transportation is a little better oh yeah 
Oh, I mean, I've been to San Francisco a couple of times, and I we drive there and we park and public transportation the rest of the way. They we Uber or they have the trams, they have buses. Mm-hmm. Um, you could bike almost everywhere. Yeah, yeah. Unless you're going uphill, and that sucks. <laughs> but yeah, they have so many more options. Like here where I live, I think the I don't even see a bus anymore. Dang. Yeah, I rarely see them. I remember in high school. They used to come by every 30 or 45 minutes. Yeah, so it's super inconvenient, yeah. you know? Well, I mean, that wasn't too bad, 30 or 45 minutes, yeah. Then they jumped up to every hour. And then my senior year, they completely stopped coming. Like for in high school, they just didn't come. They had one bus that would come by in the morning to pick up students. And they had two buses that would pick up students after high school. That, And these were only coming from like 2.30 to 3.30. Mm-hmm. So if you got out of class a little earlier than that, there was no bus. You had to get a ride or then there was no Uber back then either. Yeah, um, that's right. So, but now I rarely see a bus. I rarely see them. Yeah, public transportation here is not the best. I wish it, I wish it would get better. That'd be cool because like if they came more constant or if... Uh, if they involved even some sort of like light rail system... Exactly. Um, I know they have like in more LA they have it like LA towards the USC campus yeah. and even closer to the uh, I'm drawing a blank on the big center where all the buses and stuff meet and the trains meet I've well, seen they got like those LA little station center. Well, they Union have the station. trams out there right because I've seen them on the freeway where you get on it's like the BART mm-hmm. similar I would say BART's different well, the, because BART's mostly company. like is it? I think so yeah I know BART, there's, it's like mostly like underground tunnels yeah. and stuff like that. That's a that's a smart thing. You know what I mean? You don't have that above ground. You could just mm-hmm. dig under and make the tunnels under. Even like the subways in New York and stuff like that. And other big cities in Chicago and all that stuff, they have better transportation system yeah. where they don't need to drive. I don't know. I, wish, I just wish they would like maybe put more money into public transportation here in Southern mm-hmm. California. Especially because we have the beaches and all the parks and and everything around here, the the mountains and stuff. It'd be cool to not have to drive there, especially when you know you're going out with your family, you mm-hmm. get on the bus and stuff, and you get to the beach and you got to worry about. Because driving in beach cities suck. Yeah, it's all one way streets and the parking's horrible and you're paying ten or fifteen dollars yeah. to park. It's the worst thing. So if you can get like public transportation drops you off right on the beach, that'd be cool. At least in the summer, like maybe if they like budgeted to where they say, "Hey, look, the seasonal bus thing." Is, yeah, the seasonal thing. The bus during summer from the first day of summer, which whatever is June, whenever what day it starts in June and ends in September, then you uh, maybe the bus comes by every twenty minutes or every ten minutes. Yeah, that'd be good. Just like a bunch. Of, I know they starting to do it now with the Orange County Fair. Okay. They'll have like different locations in Orange County. Where they'll pick you up yeah. and they'll just bus you over there. So that's good too because you prevent drinking and driving. There's not that much parking over there too for how much people come to the fair. Yeah. So they're like limiting the parking that they need. So it's a smart idea to have just a bunch of buses. And it's like they, they reward you by that by making it a cheaper ticket. Like it's $2 or $4 maybe for the yeah. round way trip on the bus. But then you're saving like 5 10 bucks on the actual entrance ticket too. So that's... You know, you feel better about it. You're like, oh, shit, okay. Yeah. it, it, it They give you, like, an, an initiative to... Because I'm sure that's... Because OC Fair is in Costa Mesa. 
and I'm sure they don't want their streets congested with all the traffic there. And oh, hell no. No, so I'm sure all these buses benefit them too because it brings revenue to them because their people are coming in to spend money at the fair and then they're buying, you know, there's restaurants there. Mm-hmm. So it's good for the city and then also it's good for everybody outside of there, like down here, because I know where my girlfriend lives in San Juan Capistrano. They have a couple of spots where they'll pick you up and they'll drop you off at the fair and then they'll bring you back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's like two or three dollars a ticket. So. Yeah, and that's something they need to put like Disneyland that's popping all year round. Oh, yeah. I know a lot of people have those season, season, pass. season passes. Yeah. So you can have something like that towards Disneyland just to get a feel for it. A lot of people go to Long Beach. I know Long Beach. I went to Long Beach Aquarium maybe like a month ago. And the parking there sucks. Like it's not okay. There's too many people there, not enough parking. So getting, you know, buses and more trains to like Long Beach area, that'd be smart. Yeah. Well, it'd be cool. Or even if it's like a year-round thing, because I know you can get like the train to LA and like the train down to San Diego. So it'd be right. cool if they maybe had like a bus just designated. Like maybe it doesn't make any stops, like just the to pick does. up. Yeah, but it just goes straight to the train. You know, right. it's like, hey, we'll drop you off at the train. It's like a $3 ride. The bus will come by every 20 minutes, you know. And, and see, even the train, train, though, that's the thing about the train compared to like transportation in the Bay Area what I liked more compared to them. I've been to LA a few times, like on a Sunday or Saturday on the train, like especially for some sporting event, sporting events, some games there that I went to there. But I remember the few times that we went to like a later evening game, we had to leave early because the last train to Orange County area from LA Union Station is like seven, eight o'clock. Yeah, it's like eight o'clock. Yeah, so like if you're trying to stay out there the whole night, you can't really unless you stay until the next day and hop on the first morning train. But the last train is like seven or eight. So that's not really that late, you know? Like, I know the Bay Area transportation system, they have it like all through the night. I think Yeah, like it's all through the night. I've been there. Because they, they have the, what are those? The train, the little trams on the cables. Mm-hmm. And then they have the underground. Underground. That's underground the BART. That's what I'm talking train. about. Yeah. I don't know if it's a train, but it's kind of like a tram too. And then they have the BART. So it's like underground as well. Mm-hmm. And it's cool because it'll take you into like the major parts. So it'll drop you off right in the, in their mall they have. Yeah. Like, and you just got to go back upstairs and you're in the mall or drop you off wherever you're going. It drops you off in the airport. So that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah like so the they train. need more of that connecting LA to OC and then just connecting cool, yeah. other parts of OC to each other. Because that would help. I'm all for public transportation. Increase that. Mm-hmm. I hate driving. Spend more on that, for sure. Oh, yeah. I like driving... But not in traffic, obviously. And it just feels like there's traffic all the time. I just hate driving in general. It's, I used to love it. You know, you get your license. You're like, hell yeah, yeah you got that freedom. I'm going to go wherever I want. And it's just, it's, I think I'm at the point where it's like, especially where I live, a lot of people are, uh, what's it called? Nah, like entitled. They're, mm. they're very like, oh, it's I don't care if you're on the road, it's all about me. So people mm-hmm. are cutting people off, you know, no one stops completely at red lights, still run it, you know, and it's, yeah, it's not always safe. Yeah. So that's the shitty part. That's what gets me. It's like, mm-hmm. just use your turn signal. Yeah. You know? Oh yeah. yeah it's like, so simple. Yeah. You know, the what I, the thing second. that bugs me the most, if you're on the freeway 
and you got that one car in the far left lane and he'll cut over all four lanes to and last minute make that last exit and i'm just like dude you just risked how many people lives yeah to save yourself a three minute roundabout at the next exit and get back on the freeway and get off again like mm-hmm. dude just it's not worth it not at all if that happens to me i just miss the exit and i'll get off the next one and i'll turn back around and that's it yeah yeah it's not a big deal you could probably even take especially around here like they're all kind of close to each other i'm sure you could just find a side street too and exactly go to where you need to go exactly but i I, that's what bugs me the most you see that one car just cut over all these lanes and cut off all these cars and it's dangerous oh yeah and you think about all the motorcycles there too oh yeah i mean if you would have done that and like because you can easily see cars just from like a peak yeah, back into your blind zone. Yeah, you can't see the motorcycles. Mm-mm, I'm taking no. that guy out. I wanted a motorcycle for a while. I still do. But I'll watch like those motorcycle accident videos on YouTube. You know, you're laying there at night and all of a sudden you're at like, you end up at like those uh, videos from India where those Jaguars are attacking those people. You start off at like motorcycles and you, like, oh, you just shit. go down like the rabbit hole of YouTube and you end up with all these different <laughs> things. But... Yeah, this thing kind of freaked me out. But my, my, I think the thing that scares me about a motorcycle is not dying and ending up like a vegetable. Mm, yeah, that because that's very realistic too. Yeah. I have a friend actually who I used to work with and still keep in touch with even though we don't work together anymore. But he had a pretty severe bike accident and his he had to have guess he had like, I don't know exactly what happened, but his neck got messed up. And for a while, he was wearing like one of those cones. He really couldn't move his neck. Like it was like a hard brace. Like after like eight to nine months, he got a soft brace. But even then, it's like he still can't train his neck yeah, as often yeah. or as you know fluidly as he was able to. And now he doesn't have to wear the soft cast on, on the neck anymore. He's like freelance. But it's he even tells us like it's very like it's, it's hard very to limited train around, on the you know? moves, movement. Yeah, I got a buddy that I used to work with um, when I was doing some framing. He had a motorcycle accident, but he lost all movement in his neck. He can't turn to the left or right. Nice. So if he wants to look to the left or right, he's got to turn his whole body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's that's kind of hard. That's that's what kind of freaks me out. It, but anything like that happens. Like, you know, mm-hmm. I got a friend that... It could happen in the car, too. Yeah. You know, it's less likely, car. but it, it very much yeah. could happen. Yeah, I got a buddy that uh, broke his back in a snowboarding accident. Oh, yeah. shit. So it can happen anywhere, but... yeah. Yeah, it's a tough part. That that's what freaks me out. It's not it's losing like losing like movement in your legs or your arms or whatever. Yeah, yeah not being able to move. Yeah, because like you said, a vegetable, you gotta have someone depend on you to do anything yeah. you want to throughout the whole day. You want to eat, you gotta call someone. You, you want to use a restroom, you gotta call. And someone. I'm sure it gets expensive because you gotta pay for those caretakers, and then you're also. You got to think of the way it affects like people in your life because now mm-hmm. they got to accommodate you and or they're going to help you out all this time. And that's I, that's what gets to me. It's like I don't want you got a burden. Uh, yeah, you don't want to be a burden or the way it affects like, you know, my family's life. I'm sure they want to go do things and now, but they got to be like, oh, we can't because yeah, know, David tough. decided to buy a motorcycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You ever seen that movie The Upside with Kevin Hart? No. And Brian Cranston? No. Oh. It's kind of like that. I don't think they... They probably did, but it's been a while since I've seen that movie because it came out in like February, January. But basically, this old man, Brian Cast- Creston, his character, the guy from Walter White, 
Okay. And Breaking yeah. Bad. He's stuck in a wheelchair and he needs a caretaker to do everything because he's completely paralyzed, right? He's a paraplegic. And he hires Kevin Hart. You know, he doesn't really know the guy. Kevin Hart's like this one guy from the hood and it's like two different worlds collide. It's kind of cool. But the whole point is like Kevin Hart has to do everything for him. He wants to shower. He needs to sponge bath him, restroom, like everything, everything, put him to sleep, feed him. It's like everything he's got to do for him. And this guy's like a millionaire and paying him a lot of money to yeah, do to so, do you know? So it's, it's incredible. Yeah. That's what freaks me out. There's so many things out there that just freak you out. It's like you could get in a car accident. You could be walking down the stairs at your home and now you fall. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. We're, we're so fragile. Oh, for sure. But technology allows us to live in like other sure in like past forms we wouldn't be able to you know if we didn't have the technology and medicine we did now oh exactly yeah you can the medical technology that's out there now they could Mm -hmm. get new robotic arms or prosthetic legs that are a thousand times better than what they used to be Mm -hmm. so i mean there's benefits to it but it's still kind of it's it's not the best scenario Yeah. yeah Cause I'm sure I had torn my ACL in high school, so I had ACL reconstruction surgery and stuff like that. But I, I was just thinking, you know, like back in the hunter gatherers, let's say they tore their ACL for whatever reason, you know, you could live with it out an ACL, like you can run with it, but it's very hard to be like super agile jumping and stuff like that. I'm sure they had to do all that kinds of stuff. They, you had to be very mobile. You had to be quick on your feet. You had to have survival instincts. Because you're constantly either hunting predators or running away yeah. from them, you know. But you got to keep in mind, too, back then, they didn't have the technology to, re, like, heal that. That's so, what I'm saying, yeah. They, so if you had, like, I don't know how a torn ACL feels or anything, but if you didn't if you didn't go to a doctor, you just left it alone, what would have happened? So that's what I'm saying. Naturally, it would heal to a certain point, okay. but you wouldn't have certain range of motion, yeah. motion. Like, ACL, just from what I've learned, allows you to move laterally basically and without it hurting and, and collapsing if if you try to move laterally without an acl your knees most likely going to collapse yeah so you can run still like straight you, you just know, can't you just can't like cut, left or you right know, play. And i'm sure they weren't playing basketball and stuff like that but i'm sure they had to move sideways yeah but when to, you're running from a predator or something yeah you're, you're not running you a straight cover. line yeah you gotta take cover you gotta even like jumping and landing is also like greatly affected by your ACL. So if without one of those, that's what I'm saying. I wouldn't say an ACL back in the hunter gatherer days is automatic death, but like I'm sure, their your village is considering like, hey, we might have to dump this yeah. guy because he's slowing us down. Yeah, see, but that comes back to the whole natural earthquake thing. It's like you run into somebody who's got a messed up leg. It's like, what do you do? It's yeah. the same thing. I mean, back then, we basically go back to that. But back then, it, it's it was a life and death situation mm-hmm. where he could slow down the tribe or mm-hmm. endanger them because now he's not the mm-hmm. most agile person and help somebody else out, you know. But it's the same thing here. You get a major earthquake, and it's like, dude, what do you yeah. do? Because we have sounds... we have the technology to help them, but at right. the same time, you're in the situation where it's like. You might not get any help for a couple of days. What are you going to do? True. Yeah. It kind of sounds fucked up, but I guess how I would weigh that, like if I was faced with that situation, would be what can this person offer me? Like, is this person really good with guns? Yeah. 
Yeah. Can he make like really badass knots and like, you know, is he crafty in some form of fashion? Is he really like good with directions? Does he know how to get from like yeah. one city to another city? Can exactly. he navigate that kind of shit? You know, like what can he offer? I don't know. I feel like a lot of people nowadays would die. Dude, nobody yeah. knows how to do anything anymore. No, of course not. No. Everything's given to us on now. Oh yeah. I I was actually um, in Redwoods National Park not too long ago with my mother. We just did like a trip, a road trip. But there's a lot of areas in Northern California where reception's not really good. And I had like put it on my maps app to, you know, take us to this park. But there are certain dead areas of Northern California where it would like lose connection and we like we it wouldn't update us on what we had to do we had like missed a few turns and stuff like that so we bought a map of northern california and in the specific area of northern okay. california it's not the whole area but it's hard to read a map it's like hard I, to read a map. after a few days i want to say after two days i was able to get it and like it's like oh this road's here and then we're gonna make it right here you know i can direct people and direct my mother she was driving but i know she struggled with it and i struggled with it a lot at first too like i was just like the fuck is this like i've never seen a map dude that's something you need to focus more on high school i remember they kind of teach you they kind of like oh hey you know the 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 length of this pencil is so many miles on the map and they can't but they don't they don't spend enough time with it yeah reading a map is hard that because when i was learning how to drive um it was my uncle who was teaching me because my dad didn't really have time and he was big he's very big on like maps like he was like, oh, this street name is this, and then he'll bring maps with him, and he's mm-hmm. like, you got to learn how to do all this, and because uh, he goes, someday you might need it. Yeah. So I can read a map decently, not not the best. It's been a while. But that's good. Yeah. It's good to know. Cause... But I mean, there's so many other things too. It's like if you might have your survival car, but do you know how to fix it? You know, mm-hmm. that's, that's another, another thing problem. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's something everybody kind of needs to learn, at least to do an oil change. You know, because the way I grew up, my dad was very big on he's doing everything himself. It was he fixed the car, he fixed the holes in the walls, he fixed the doors, he fixed everything. So growing up, that's what I did. I'd go and watch him do all that stuff and and do all the car repairs and everything. Even to this day, you know, it's good to learn that stuff. And uh, without a doubt, because. Oh, yeah. I want to say I'm pretty good with navigating as far as like Orange County area, even like when you send me your address to head over here. I had never been over here in this area, but I was like, okay, well, I'm gonna take the 55 into the five. And then I just like, when you send me your address, I mapped it out really quick on the maps app. And I was like, oh, okay, you have to take Alicia Parkway and then it's all the way down. Yeah. Yeah. But even that, like, I think that's like, oh, I can navigate pretty well. But like, again, I was in a whole new part of the state that I had never been in, never explored. And so that's when I was thrown with the map. And that's why it's good to like be able to read a map because you might be thrown into an area of the country, area of the exactly. world that you're no, like no idea. And you, yeah. you got to be able to read a map because there's maps everywhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's different, especially like if you're in L.A. Have you ever been like, yeah, everything's one way street. So if, imagine, a lot of it. Yeah. Imagine your phone dies. Fuck. And a lot of the streets are named the same, so it's like, dude, you, everything's one way. So you, you kind of have to figure out how to get back. So if you miss where you're going, like when we were out there for the birthday celebration, we missed the street turn mm-hmm. that we're supposed to go down to to the Airbnb, and we had a map, not a map, but our GPS on our phone, and it told us to make a right, and another right, 
but that right wasn't an actual right. That right took you into a mall, a mall parking lot. So it was actually the next right, but the map wasn't telling us. It was a police officer said, oh, this isn't for public parking. This is you going to the mall. I was like, you can't make a turn down here anymore on the next street. So we had to go all the way out. So imagine if we didn't have our phone, you kind of have to figure that out. And then you end up getting lost because what if you make the wrong turn? Then you miss the street and then you're like, now I'm completely lost. Yeah. So in LA is tough, especially the area we're at because there's so many skyscrapers. At yeah. least here, if you make the wrong turn, you can maybe identify a tree, a tall building. Exactly. Even like if you, yeah. If you and pass the streets the are wider, so you kind of figure out which way you're going. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like you could see yeah. the McDonald's sign from a little bit away. Yeah. So you're like, oh, okay, I need to get back there. So you know, choo choo yeah. choo. But like everything's tall skyscrapers, so that really blocks your vision to kind of like look to which around. Way you're going, just, yeah. You're not gonna notice the building that you're going to. Right. Yeah. That's the hard part. I'm sure the people who live there are more familiar with it. Oh, yeah. But, like, people like us, no, visitors and I, shit like that. I've never been to LA. I'm pretty good at navigation. So, like, my friends are horrible. Like, we've been, we used to go to the downtown Fullerton a lot, like, to the bars. And I could drive to one place, like, once or twice and remember how to get there. But my friends mm-hmm. were always like, how do I get back to downtown Fullerton? I was like, we go there every weekend. How do you not remember? <laughs> yeah. But some people just aren't. It, they're so used to their phones. Right. So dependent. Yeah. That's a big word. Yeah. Dependent. I think too. Like I can go somewhere. Like to go home right now, I don't need to backtrack. Even though I've yeah. never been in this area before, I know that I took the fifty-five to whatever freeway to whatever freeway, and then I just exit off that street. Yeah. I can backtrack really well. So like maybe I need the maps to get somewhere where I'm not familiar with, mm-hmm. like somewhere in Corona or somewhere in Inglewood, whatever. But once I get there, like, I don't need a map to get back. You don't need a map to get back because you just need to find the freeway back. Yeah, exactly. Get there. Yeah, exactly. And all my friends are super dependent. They're like, oh, put the address back in. It's like, you don't know how to get back? Like, yeah. we just, you know, it's like sometimes it's even as something as like four, three hours ago, you know, it's like we weren't here for that long. Like, yeah, I didn't remember how to get back. You know, yeah. we went right. Like, Let's go left. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, it's, I think that phone, kind of, it's a good thing to have. But at the same time, I think it in this case of like a big earthquake or something, it's kind of downfall because you're not, you don't have the experience. I think that's something big that we need to bring back. And, but at the same time, there's no necessity. Like not everybody needs to learn how to build a home or fix a car and stuff like that. But at the same time, it'd be nice to know a little bit. Yeah. Because I'm big, I'm very big on learning things like that Mm because I was a big car guy in high school, so I can fix a car to a certain degree. Um, what else I, i've done framing drywall uh i can do most minor repairs plumbing mm-hmm. some electrical uh, so i can do some concrete work you know and you know why people lose those kind of skills especially at a younger age i know in middle school the middle school i went to in eighth grade at least they offered wood shop as a class and that was the last year because that teacher retired and after that they're going to discontinue that program because there's not that many teachers that are available to teach it and also there's not that much funding going towards programs like that but my dad would tell me when he was in high school compared to when i was in high school they had metal shop auto shop uh what's the one where you make pots and shit pottery oh, pottery ceramics ceramics yes yeah, so ceramics. Ceramics, yeah so you could do more stuff like that and develop more skills to learn more like that'll benefit you in the long run. And you can also like make careers out of that kind of too. But 
a lot of that's going away now. A lot of those programs are all gone from high schools, especially public schools. Public, yeah. Oh, yeah. schools, or even private schools. schools some of them don't have that they focus on a lot of the academics and they're not mm-hmm. they're not very big on like extracurricular activities unless it's like some type of like uh, mm-hmm. educational program like uh like debate or mathematics yeah. stem or, stem's yeah, huge stem. Stem. uh something like that they're not big on like automotive or they want mm-hmm. you to do a lot of public service work and yeah. something related to that so it's kind of hard I, I think it's big because like YouTube, I'm very big on YouTube. I always look up how to do a lot of stuff, because um, that's how I learned the majority of like yeah a lot of things I do. You can pretty much learn anything on YouTube, oh, and that's what I love about YouTube. I love YouTube, yeah. I mean, any difficulty I've had in my car, I just go look it up, yeah. and it's funny because you can get for the same problem, you can get like ten different people's point of views on it. Yeah. And they're just all out there trying to like hustle, like trying to show something. And they're all trying to make money at the end of the day too, you know? Exactly. Because they're all just, you know, five to 10 minute how-to videos of like how to change the spark plug or how to, I don't know, fix this leak. How to, even as something as simple as changing a tire. I'm sure people oh, look yeah. that up a there's lot YouTube. too. Oh, there's a video for everything. And it's nice because like, it's like you said, there's so many videos on the same thing. So... I mean, when I was in high school, I took automotive, so I did a lot of... I already knew how to do the oil changes, the tire rotations, the spark plugs, and all these, like, minor things. But there's some things that you need to learn, like when you change a head on a car, you need to find the specs on the bolts, uh, the tight, like, how tight they need to be. They have to go in a certain pattern, and so everything gets leveled down. Um, so it's always nice to find a video on that, you know? Yeah more complicated stuff like that too. yeah exactly yeah but as far as like other skills i mean i we made little things in woodshop and i could do yeah. like little stuff i'm sure like a birdhouse if i wanted to exactly. make a little table make oh, a little yeah. desk but i was big on carpentry for a while I, I was really into it when i was doing framing and drywall i uh spent some money and i got like a lot of like woodworking tools but i like doing that stuff i like I like being handy. Mm-hmm. Like, I do all my oil changes. I do all the repairs at the home. That's good. Yeah, so I'm not... You should teach me how to do an oil change, yeah? <laughs> yeah, it's I've easy. Been, to, like... It's super easy. Because I pay for that all the time, and it's like... Well, realistically, at the end of the day, I mean, how much do you pay for an oil change? Like, 80 bucks? Maybe, yeah, like Maybe 60, 45 70. if you got, like, a coupon? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I would I, say it's, like, 60 at the coupon. It's, like, one of those drive through places. Yeah. Like, the Valvolines. Yeah. Okay. Those are cool because I just discovered those like kind of recently. Yeah. But you just drive and they're doing it as you they talk to you and you're done in like and 20 minutes. Yeah, that's, uh, those are cool. But I remember in high school I got a job at uh, this automotive shop. Like it's like a big shop. I don't want to say the name because. Mm. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't want to cease and desist. <laughs> but they, they weren't always the best. A lot of times they used a lot of used oil. You know, mm. or they wouldn't do it. They, they would check it and be like, oh, this oil still looks clean. Because some people don't know. You know, right. that, like the manufacturer tells you you need an oil change every 3,000 miles or every 5,000. Or nowadays, if you have synthetic oil, it's every 10,000. So imagine if they tell you you get synthetic and you, they say every 10,000 miles you need an oil change. But this guy wants to come in every 5,000. You know, just to be sure, he goes to this place and they check. Oh, it's still clean. They say they do it, charge you, and then they send oh, you on your way. Damn. You know, so a lot of times that's, they did a lot of stuff. 
that's why it pays to know all these skills that we've been talking about recently too because yeah. that way you just don't get ripped off for certain things exactly. you know and you know it's legit whether you do it yourself or not at least you know like what it should look like or what the process is supposed to be yeah. you know what i mean because i anyway i know i don't want to just throw girls into the bus because i'm sure there's a lot of guys that don't know yeah. anything about their cars either but i know that happens a lot to girls oh, they yeah. get kind of like well it happens price. to it happens to me too because there's certain things that I can't do in my garage because I don't have a lift or I don't have like a, I have this 89 Toyota pickup and it needed a new clutch and it's not hard to install but the thing is you got to bring down the transmission and get into the clutch yeah. housing and stuff so it's like I can't lift the truck high enough to bring it down safely and get a clutch in there and then bring it back up because that thing's heavy so I took it to a shop and they were asked, they wanted like $800 to do that. And I'm like, dude, to change a clutch, it's going to take you guys like maybe four hours. Mm-hmm. There's no way it's $800. Damn. Yeah, but it's it's. That's why I always pay to know friends. Yeah, exactly. In those industries. Yeah. But there, there's certain things. It happens to everybody. You get ripped off. But it's nice to learn things. That's I'm, big, I'm very big on that. and Because I, I, do, I do landscaping. So that's a part-time job I have. I have a little landscape company and I taught myself how to do new grass, uh, do pavers, um, some concrete work. And we also get a lot of uh, people who want handyman work. So we're like, yeah, we can do that, you know. It's like like just last week we installed uh, six new light fixtures at a home. You know, they want to replace them. And it's not it's not hard you know some electrical work can get me kind of scary but if you turn the power off you're fine yeah but yeah i'm I'm very big on uh like if it's something out of my scope where it's like hey we need the house repiped i'm like no i can't do that for you guys you know but some drywall work you know uh floor yeah little fix me yeah some floors i've done kitchen cabinets i won't mess with countertops because that's expensive work and i I, my cuts aren't straight enough to get away with a clean cut on the countertop (laughs) yeah yeah that's what's tough though i mean the i want to say like a couple we have palm trees in our backyard and they're i don't know what kind of palm trees there are they're not the super tall kind but they're the one like right now i want to say they're like 25 feet they're about two almost three stories high and they have the dangling branches when they die they dangle down and we used to be able to my dad was really creative where he had a pool stick and he extended all the way and then like taped a blade onto it and so, like, you know, you used to cut the bre- the dead branches off like that. But now it's too tall to that point. Yeah. Or even if you get onto, like, the higher point of the ladder, you still can't, like, cut it. It's too high. So there's actual, my, you know, I think he was, I don't know what he was looking at. It's not the yellow pages anymore. But he basically found someone. This guy, he's, like, 6'3", too, by the way. He comes over and he's, like, okay. And he, he has, like, a pro. I didn't even watch him do it. But he did it. So he cleaned all five of our palm trees in, in like, like an, under hour? an hour under an hour yeah he just went up there cut them all down and like he was like all right we're done and it's like my, my parents are like what like that's it you know because they would that's something that would take us for a long time too we'd yeah. get the ladder out someone has to hold the ladder then another one's cutting and the blades you know as it got older it was fucking harder to cut through the branch yeah. so you know but he just the way he was able to like and it's labor intensive when you're using that blade because when I first started doing the yard yard service, we would do palm trees, but we weren't comfortable climbing them yet. We didn't have the gear. 
So what we did is we went to go buy like those professional pull saws and they come in like eight feet or six feet and you can buy an extension to make it six. Oh, you can, I put the mic away because I was trying to describe the length of the pull. <laughs> uh, but they come in like six feet, eight feet, or you can get an extension pull to make it like 16 feet to like 24 feet. But at the when you get to that length, they flex, so it's hard to cut. So that's how we were doing them. We were spending so much time on them. Um, and then finally, I think we invested in like some spikes and some harness and uh, like 300 feet of rope, you know. Yeah. And some nice uh, lanyards and stuff like the climbing grade ones. Um, but yeah, you learn and we can knock out those palm trees pretty quick. Yeah. And it's just... a lot safer too. Cause if you're, you're right. even being on like a 10 foot ladder, that 10 feet, you fall, you're that's, falling. You're going to yeah. break something. I, yeah. You're breaking something or at least spraining something and it's going to suck. And especially if you're like, at a, you're doing work for somebody, it's a bad look, you know, it's like they're hiring you to do work for them. And all of a sudden you fall out of the ladder and now you can't finish the job. So mm-hmm. it doesn't look good, but yeah, we, we, we get up there in those palm trees too. Took that's a, good. What's a rock climbing course where they teach you how to do like those different knots and everything. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Because oh, yeah, cool. you always need it. Because we were just climbing the trees with just the spikes when we first started doing it. We just got the spikes, the harness, and the lanyard wrapped around the tree. But you get it's exhausting being in those spikes because all the weights on the spikes. And then the worst thing that happens is if you just have the spikes on, you're just putting all your weight on the spikes because that's what's keeping you from falling down. The spikes sink in deeper, and you're already fatigued from being up there. So imagine pulling two inches of a spike out of a palm tree. You're you're dangling there, and then at the end of the day, you got to unstrap one spike, yank it out, put it back on, and then oh, do the okay. next one. And then so it's kind of hard. So we had uh, we we had the rope, but we didn't know how to do the knots and stuff to do the safety lines or the lifelines. So we started doing that. So we went to uh, me and my buddy went to a rock climbing course, and they. Uh, showed us how to do all the knots and then my friend too he works for uh like a year ago he started working for a company that just focuses on tree trimming so you know he came out and taught us how to do a lot of the knots too yeah that's good that's smart glad there's like smarter ways to do that you know work smarter not harder oh 100 percent. yeah i used to nothing similar obviously but i remember working for a moving company like in the summers when i come home from college so those guys are creative. Yeah, they are creative. I remember working with people and I, there were some, you could tell the difference of like level of workers that I'd mm-hmm. work with because there'd be the one guys, they'd work hard, but they're lifting everything. Yeah. And so everything's manual labor, you know, uh, they're, but they're like dogs. You mean they could work like that for 10, 12 hours straight, you know, like not to, to throw race or anything in there, but they were Mexican, right? So they could do that all the time. And there was other workers I would work with, like other crews, that were like really smart with a dolly. Yeah. And knew how to like twist it or like straps. Straps are huge too. You yeah. can like carry a big ass dresser with straps on a dolly. Oh, yeah. Upstairs instead of having to like manpower that man, shit. Yeah. So, you know, working with some crews, I learned certain things. I was like, holy fuck. Like, why were we lifting it like cavemen like exactly. this, you know, back then? Well, it's, and, it's crazy because like there's always a smarter way to do it and yeah. a safer way. So, I had a client that we did his yard and he recently moved. So we moved a lot of his backyard because we have like a flatbed truck and uh, the moving company didn't want to move any of like his pots and plants. So he, Oh hired, yeah, that shit's hard to move. Yeah. So he hired us to do that. But this moving company was out there 
and they were putting all these couches on the dollies and they would like they would lay one couch a certain way and then the other one another way in order to put more boxes on top and it was also balanced to where the guy had the dolly with like just one hand and like everything was so counterbalanced that he was just pushing it with ease and it's crazy how they do that stuff so you think you're when you're moving stuff it's just it's all manpower no but there's so many ways to do things there's so many techniques now so it's it's pretty clever obviously you need to invest in a little bit like equipment for some of the heavier stuff but it can be done like if you really put your mind to it like there's a lot of uh there's a lot of technique into it and so it's like really cool like it's not like sometimes i watch a movie or a show and they're like showing movers and they're just like throwing the boxes in the truck and like they're carrying the boxes one by one One or they're trying to carry a couch like old school and And it's like Dude, that's so outdated now. Like, exactly. now that I've worked it, it's just like, fuck, you know? Like, updated a little bit. Come on. Yeah, but I mean, it. at the same time, you can get away with a lot of just manpower. True, you can. Because I know a lot of landscaper guys that... Cause you do a lot me, of... And they... Because don't get me wrong. There's a tool out there that'll make everything easier. But sometimes it, it adds time to it. You know, especially in, like, the construction area where they have, like, those hydraulic hammers where they come put the spikes into like the ground and it's a lot slower but at the end of the day you're not fatigued you're not putting that wear and tear on your shoulders and your joints and yeah a guy can come in here with a sledgehammer and knock out six spikes in the ground compared to a guy using the hydraulic thing he might do two but how many can that guy with the hammer do maybe 15 mm-hmm. you know but the guy with this hydraulic hammer is gonna knock out a hundred easy right it might take them longer but at the same time you're saving yourself at the end of the day and it comes into landscape too because there's so many tools you got extended head trimmers, you got the weed whackers uh, the pull saws or even for the palm trees you know you can get up there with like little they make this uh chainsaw that's a little more compact one-handed so you're not up there with a handsaw you know so it's a lot of things but i know a lot of people who do it with a handsaw or even just use the pull saw but at the end of the day you're putting all that wear and tear on your body mm-hmm. and that really comes down to clientele too because just yeah. even working with the moving company exactly. a lot of the people that we worked were worth the clients were in south county they had really big houses some mansions and for that stuff i would always tell the coworkers, and you know our boss would always tell us too, like do it right not fast yeah you know as fast as you can but in a right process yeah you gotta keep sometimes everything. we'd be like moving an apartment that's kind of in a dingy area of santa Ana or anaheim and not that we like i don't say that we cared less for their stuff but obviously their stuff wasn't as valuable so we were just trying to get out of there as quickly as possible exactly. and if they moved into somewhere nicer like you know I mean usually the place you're leaving is not as nice as the place you're leaving you're moving so, to uh, for most of that that company but so it's all depending on clientele. If you have like nicer, higher end clientele with higher end stuff, it costs more to repair a damaged floor in a higher end house than, you know, the lower end house. So I'd always emphasize like care and safety over speed. You know what I mean? Because a lot of like that stuff was worth more than like getting the job done in, exactly. in a fast manner. Yeah. See, that's that's kind of hard. It's like you said, you don't want to say you didn't care with their stuff, but it's. You kind of have to weigh the benefits of you. You don't want to go to a house where they have, you know, all their stuff, furniture's $100,000 in there and ruin that stuff. And now that's coming out of your pocket. And that's something, you know, in the landscape 
area we have to think about that too because there's so many things you can damage you know if you're with you hit the weed whacker you're knocking out sprinklers or you mowing and you knock out sprinklers or you're bumping into things you got to keep all that in mind you know but i think like one thing i want to get better at for this year and just like going forward just getting more hands-on with stuff because yeah. i did the moving but i feel like the moving's limited i'd kind of like to like learn more about your landscaping and stuff like that how you can go about that and do more things so i can make it a side business yeah kind of like i mean my uncle i've worked with him and he does the carpentry okay cool and yeah. you know he makes cabinets yeah. big so big, he does uh, more like finishing carpentry yeah big desk big benches big tables like he does a lot of stuff all with wood and i used to help him on the side but like now that I think about it, stuff like that is more valuable because you can offer those services, even yeah. if it's just on the side, like you have your nine to five yeah. as your main source of income, but you could do that on the side just to help someone out. Even if you don't want to charge them too, it's good to know that for your family, right? Yeah, exactly. Because you, know, you can do so many things. You can build a bed frame. Like you got kids, you can knock out a bunk bed mm-hmm. or a desk for the room or all the shelving. And it's nice because then it, it brings... It brings the house together, too, because you got to think about, like, oh, I didn't just go to Ikea and buy this stuff, you know? Yeah. We spent the time to make you this bed, and it kind of brings that connection, you know? You feel a lot better about yourself, oh, too, when yeah. you're doing stuff rather than hiring someone or just buying one that's already made. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it's good to know all that stuff. But it's like you said, like, because I do the landscaping part-time because um, I do – I have a full-time job where I work 8 to 4.30, you know, eight-hour shift, and that's Monday through Friday you know 12 years or 12 months you mm-hmm. know a year so the part-time job was with the landscape i had a part-time job i was working at ross and then i started working at office max and i was talking to my buddy who does the landscape with me and i was like dude we i'm tired of like the schedules like i want to and Make you, you know I go to office max and they're paying me like 12 dollars an hour which is okay for how much they're paying now. Um, but I was working four days and the paycheck was like $180. You know, yeah. so it's like, oh, you're there four days out of the week. So eight days in a paycheck. So it was only like $180 for like 215 So it's like, dude, you're there eight days and you're working part-time. So you're working four or five hours. That's your whole afternoon. Yeah, that sucks. You know, you I get off my full-time job. Then I go to my part-time job. By the time I get home, it's like 10 you know, you got to get ready for bed, pack your lunch, whatever. You, you lost your whole day. Yeah. You know, for 218 bucks. And that's where the landscape came in. We just put like 500 bucks together and bought a mower from Home Depot, the cheapest wee whacker we found. Uh, I already had some of the hand tools, like the hand pruners and like the scissors and stuff. Um, so we just bought like that. And the first couple months we were doing with that, um, and then that mower didn't last very long. You know, it was a lower end mower. And then we got our hands on a professional one, heavy duty. Um, and as we went, when we would get big jobs, how we would do it is if someone wanted grass, we'd say, yeah, we can do your, we can install your grass. Um, so in that quote we would give them, we would add like the pricing of a tool that we needed. So we'd say, hey, you know, you want 600 square feet of grass. Normally we charge, you know, like $3 a foot. 
we'd add an extra 75 cents, you know, like, hey, we'll do it for 375. And that extra money, we'd go buy a new weedy whacker, like a professional one, or like send a hedge trimmer or something like that. Oh, you okay. Know? There you go. Yeah. Saving up and yeah, investing. Yeah, exactly. So saving up. So it was always just reinvesting into the landscape stuff. That's what's up. Yeah. Yeah. But a lot of times, you know, it sounds shitty to say, but like the client was paying for the equipment. That's how, yeah. I mean, that's how business works. You well, know exactly. I mean? Like that's when how you business buy works. a pair of yeah. Nikes, I mean, I was working at Big Five, so I know... Like, I kind of, I don't want to say I knew everything, but, like, you knew how much shoes cost mm-hmm. to make because these $100 shoes would go on sale for $60, and you're like, whoa, like, are they still making a profit? And then you learn, like, how much, like, some of those Nike shoes only yeah. cost, like, 14 to $25 to make. So, no matter what, even if they put it on sale for 56 you think you're getting a great deal, but you're still supplying them a lot yeah. of money where I'm sure they're using it to buy better equipment and expand more. Exactly. But you also have to keep in mind companies like that, they need to make room for the new season product coming True, yeah. in. Yeah. So it doesn't benefit them to hold like 2018, 2017 pair of Nikes when a new colorway is coming out or a new style is coming in that people are going to want. You know, so even if they're losing or even if they're not making a huge profit, because I know when I was working at uh, Office Max, you know, new printers were coming out every year. So a lot of times they would lose money on the old models. Because that's the one thing that I like about Office Max. They're transparent on their profits. So if someone came in, we could show them what we paid for it on the MSRP. So we'd come and say, hey, look, this printer is originally $190. It's on sale for $60. We paid $80 for it. As The company paid $80 for it. So you're, we're losing $20 on it. But because we're bringing in new models. Mm. You know. okay so i like that because so it would make the client more aware aware so they're like okay i'm getting a good deal but it, it makes sense in a sense because they're losing money but they're gonna make a lot of that profit off when they bring in those new printers for a higher price mm-hmm. yeah yeah i think the next thing i invest in just to kind of like wrap this convo up or this part of the convo is like washing cars like i love washing my car and it's something that i don't think it's too hard of labor you know what i mean you just you need some water you need that's a good side business that's a good hustle i got into that i'll show you once we're done here i got some stuff uh yeah but i have stuff that i use with my own car i go to autozone i get all excited when i'm about to wash my car okay so like you know hopefully within the next year and a half or so i can buy my own stuff have it in the back of a car, yeah. a different car, you know, ready and just drive that around. Dude, that's that's a good that's a good hustle because that kind of brings in like we started the landscaping thing because we just we were tired of a schedule job, mm-hmm. you know. So, but sometimes there's no work in landscape. You know, when it was raining, we it was odd because we live in Southern California and we got a large amount of rain this year. So it, for like three months, we just had no extra work, and. Um, I was looking into other things and auto detailing came up. So I was watching all these YouTube videos and all these different products. So for me, washing my car was kind of like, uh, that's how I relax. Like I don't come home and I don't sit down and watch TV. I like to do things around the house, whether I'm in the backyard, cleaning it up, organizing the garage. That's, that's my relaxation. So cleaning the car, washing my car, vacuuming it. That's how I like to spend my time. I don't like to like lay down often. Yeah. You're a doer. Yeah, and it, it I I get frustrated with myself if I do come home and 
I'm laid down, and next thing you know, it's two, it's two hours there. You're watching a show, and you're like, shit, I haven't done anything with the yeah, day. Yeah, you feel bad about yourself. Yeah, you feel bad about yourself. So I, that's shit, why you I, lazy piece of shit. <laughs> yeah, that's honestly how I feel. So I like to... I like to make an effort to do something, whether it's in the backyard, cleaning it up, organizing the garage, or lately it's been uh, learning how to detail cars. So, uh, and I always figure too, it's like, it comes back to, I like to learn things like that. So it's now if I, at a house, cause we do landscape stuff. So we're always blowing off all the excess dirt, you know, it gets on the cars. Sometimes they ask us, Hey, do you know anybody who can detail cars? Well, yeah, we detail cars too. Mm, there you go. <laughs> you know, so that's an, that's that, an extra yeah. income. Yeah, yeah, we're all about the hustle. So it's nice to learn little things. So whether they come to us like, hey, you know, who can change these doorknobs or who can paint this room for us or anything? It's we're mm-hmm. not we're a master of none, but jack of all trades. That's good. Yeah, like you said, because instead of referring other people. Yeah. Or being like, oh, I don't know, you know? Exactly. You could just be like, yeah, I could do it. Yeah. Yeah, that's 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 hella smart. So that's that's what we're working on. And it's, it's some people like it. I mean, we've got some clients where we're doing the yards and they'll come and say, hey, we need our new doorknobs. And we're like, oh, we'll do them for you. They kind of get put off because they're like, well, you're a gardener. Mm-hmm. But it's like, yeah, doorknob is two screws. So <laughs> Yeah, like... <laughs> People don't realize how yeah, easy that Yeah, but shit there's, is. there's a lot of people out there that don't want to do it. It's some simple stuff. And it's, I have a client in Ladera Ranch who refuses to do anything. Mm-hmm. Simple things. Uh, changing the light bulb? Changing the light bulbs. Hanging up picture frames. Oh, the guy paid us 300 bucks to put up picture frames. Yeah. Damn. Like simple things. He Some people just refuse to do that stuff. So it's, it's nice for us because we're making an extra income. But at the same time, there's people who kind of get put off at the same time. Like, well, you're a gardener. We kind of want to go with someone who focuses on, like, handyman. But wouldn't you rather pay, like, your gardener to do other, like, have one guy yeah. you pay to do almost everything? Yeah. Rather than, oh, I need a gardener and a plumber and a, a carpenter. And, like, you, know, yeah. you need someone to do everything. Exactly. And that's that's what I like about this client in Ladera Ranch because um, – we do his yard once a month because he doesn't have grass. He's got a lot of those succulents. So it's once a month. But he hires us for everything else, you know. Mm. We put in those light fixtures. We put up their picture frames, new faucets, <laughs> everything. Funny. So it's it's nice for us because we're making extra money. And it's nice for him because now he's got a one person to go to. You know, yeah. he's not calling four different people and trying to schedule something. Say, hey, when can you come out to do this? When you, can you come out to do this? And now all of a sudden you got four different people in your home that you've never met, mm-hmm. you know, and you don't know who they are. And, I'll, you know, that and they won't work around your schedule. So we know his schedule and we'll always try to work around it and make sure that they're home or and they've gone to the point where they trust us and they just leave us there. It's like, hey, the key's under the mat. Just go in there and knock out what you need to knock out and, mm-hmm. and you know, make sure you lock the door. So that's that's cool for us because we've been doing that for like two years for him. So, you know, it's like you said, it comes back to uh, yeah, what's up, having the same person do this, all the, everything you need. And like you said, it's all part of the hustle. Yeah. All part of the hustle. Not hanging picture frames, so that's new. I've never heard that. Yeah, some people do that. It's crazy. crazy. Like, were they older or were they just like... No, he just didn't want to do it. He just doesn't (laughs) want to do it. 
Yeah. <laughs> I just just want to do it. Got a couple of people like that just don't want to do the work. Yeah. Wow. There's some lazy people out there. Yeah. Well, I'm sure they got, you know, kid. They they got they have two kids in high school and they play sports, so they're always at sports events and doing all this other stuff. And they got their job and I think they're they're college professors, both of them. So they're constantly doing like work on emailing grading. and grading and, and then all the sports events with their kids. So I'm sure it's nice to. Damn. I have to worry about that stuff, mm-hmm. yeah. Cause that's 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 the goal, right? Spend time with your kids, family. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but some people are lazy. Yeah, yeah. some people. Are lazy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, have you looked into the auto detailing stuff? Not like just for my car, for your just car. for my personal use, yeah. but nothing major. Nothing major. I did. Uh, there's a. I don't work. You live in like Tustin area. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if there's a store out there. I know. uh, There's one in Lake Forest here called 3D uh, Auto Products, and every once in a while they have a course where they'll have someone do a demonstration and they'll teach you how to do stuff. So I did a couple of those courses. So it's cool. There's you know you can learn a lot of stuff there. I know Home Depot does the same. Do they? Kind of like with woodwork. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I remember as a kid. I went to those classes yeah. and they teach you like, I mean, as a kid, they basically teach you about tools. Like, mm-hmm. Hey, this is a hammer. You could do this with a hammer. Yeah. Kind of I see that, that every once in a while I go by like Lowe's, they'll have like that little tent outside and like how, how to replace a faucet or how to, yeah. Yeah. Or how to build a birdhouse and stuff. So yeah, that's cool. And those things are cool. Cause you could take your kids to it. You know, it's like you said, you went yeah. when you were a kid, you know, and you're learning something at the end, you know, keeps you occupied you know i'm sure your parents are kind of happy like hey man he, <laughs> yeah. we got him out of the house we got him you know away from the some, tv yeah away from the tv you know dang. damn but that's different times so what you gotta think another thing is uh the kids these days they don't they're all on their phones super dependent on their phones super dependent on their phones i've don't there's so many kids on my street but none of them ever come outside yeah no. it's not like a thing anymore no it's kind of sad Cause I grew up on that borderline, where your, um, where I, technology was progressing, so you had like the Xbox come out and the PlayStation Two and then Xbox Three Hundred and Sixty, but I was also outside on my skateboard all day, on the bike, playing tag, climbing trees, you know. I grew up in Rancho Santa Margarita, so we had Tribuco Canyon, and we were always in the canyon, jumping through like the river creeks and. You know, we would take those uh, plastic trays from Carl's Jr. And there was this huge uh, drainage ditch that was all concrete. And at the end of it, it had like a six-foot drain. And there was like a big tree growing out of it. And there was one chain that was running across the entire like V-ditch. And you would start at the top and you slide down. And you had to grab that chain before you fell down that ditch. So that's what we were doing when we were kids. Damn. Yeah. Okay. Fuck. So, <laughs> Sounds dangerous. <laughs> well, uh, yeah. When I look, when I look back at now, to what I used to do when I was a kid, dude, there's I should, probably should be dead. Yeah. There's something. That's how you learn. That's how you it's learn. Good exactly. Life lesson skills. I mean, even like jumping a fence. Like yeah. the first time you have to do that, 
and how you gauge it. I don't know, just like something like that simple, like that yeah. I can do, or like people in our generation can do more often. Like I don't know if these kids can do it, you know. Like yeah. that's that's a survival skill, you know. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But we would always, me and my friends, we would. Uh, I think one summer we made it a goal to go to every community pool we could find, so we would have to jump the fences. Mm. So that's how we would get in. You were jumping fences into the community pools. We were uh, ice blocking down big hills. You get an ice block. Ice blocking's fun. Yeah. I did, I did that like my senior year of high school with some friends. That shit's yeah. low-key fun. Yeah, so you just got to pay for a big block of ice. Exactly. You feel you know, bad kind of wasting it. You're like, yeah. uh, okay. So, but we were always doing something growing up, but... I think yeah. like those kids are missing out on that these days. They're not. Yeah. They're not outdoors. Even so, I don't. I don't know how many kids do it now, but I just remember like something simple like teepeeing. You know, like toilet paper in someone's house. I never did house. that. You never no, did that. No, I never teepeed a house. No, or egged a house. I did no. that a few times. I mean, nothing like crazy. Nothing like crazy, yeah. Um, our house was didn't have any really big trees. We had a lot of small palm trees, so like no one really ever teepeed okay. our house. We got egged one time, but. Yeah. I, I remember doing it to a few other friends, just like with other friends. Yeah, and, with among your friends, you're doing each other's homes or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But the whole like, you know, the, um, what's that word? Like the adrenaline you get yeah. from doing that kind of stuff. You know, you're on edge. It's, you know, usually at night. And like any noise you hear, you're just like ready to book yeah, it. Yeah, you know, you're ready to jump over stuff. Yeah. So oh, even man. stuff like that, That's man. I don't know. The kids miss out on that experience. They you do, know? yeah. And you have to get that experience because everyone's inside now and they have no street smart there's mm-hmm. no they don't know how to do anything out in the because i was skateboarding everywhere so it came in a sense like you know cops would always show up so you're running you start running depending on the cop if you saw that cop that was a dick you're running because you're otherwise you're getting a ticket or he's taking your skateboard or he's calling your parents you know so you could gauge you know you'd be like hey who's which cop is rolling up you know you need to run you know, and you're just skateboarding. You make a sound. You make it sound like you're doing a big crime, but you're skateboarding. But you're also no, yeah, doing property damage sometimes. It's like one know? of those like small things. That yeah, get but annoyed at the about, same time, it's like, are they really doing anything bad? Exactly, but sometimes you had to run, and that's. I feel like a lot of kids don't do that nowadays. They're not outside skateboarding or on their bikes and even running, no, ch- yeah. playing tag. Like yeah, you playing tag. Yeah, we would seat. play. I, I grew up in a, a condominium called the Sack. And we would, they had layers to it. So they would go uphill and each hill had like a fence. So when we were playing tag, I remember one time I, the person it was chasing me and I was running out of runway because you hit a fence to turn back around down back the hallway. And I just jumped the fence down to the next, it was probably like a five foot drop or six feet, but you land in some bushes. But I feel like kids don't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah the whole like risk factor everything's yeah. very you know like i forget the word but it's like they're in a bubble you know very yeah, like a little bubble yeah yeah everything's very i can't think of the word oh well but even like right after high school i had a group of friends that we were really big on playing cops and robbers okay after that's just like after we'd all get out work. It was usually pretty late at night, like after 10. And we'd go to the high school that we went to. Right. But I remember like there's a sheriff that patrols the high school in that area. Yeah. And they'd always come, like whenever they'd come by and see our cars or just think that we were there, they would always come kick us out. And it's just like, 
you know, we're not doing anything bad. Like exactly. we're just playing. Like we could be doing a lot worse shit we here. Could, yeah. But I just, you know, it's kind of like the thing, like skateboarding. It's like people don't like it. You know, people don't like kids roaming around the high school campus, even if it's just playing and you know, mean uh, harmless game. Yeah. But you can't be there, so it's you know they got to kick that's, us out, and it's like kind of lame. That's the shitty part because we used to, after high school or even during high school, we would play soccer a lot, and here in Ranch Margarita, you had to get like a permit to play at a park. Yeah. So it's and I'm sure it's most right it's like that everywhere else, you know. Yeah, but it fucking sucks. They they had soccer nets there but we weren't allowed to use them because we didn't go to the city and be like hey get a permit to use them yeah you had so, to call yeah so the cops would show up it. and the the cops we didn't mind because they'd be like hey you know we'll let you guys stay here for another hour or whatever the shitty part was when parents got involved like some person involved in community who dude, would come yes. by and be like hey you guys don't have a permit to play here you know so they're kicking you off and like dude who are you what do you care yeah. Like you go, why does it matter? Yeah, why does it matter? It's not like we're shooting up heroin over here. Yeah, we're just playing soccer. We're That's... trying to have fun. We're trying to get better at a sport. Yeah. You know? I never understood that either. I guess it goes back to what you were saying earlier earlier, that sense of entitlement. Yeah. Because when I used to live in Santa Ana, that's how most parks are or most parks are very free format. Like you mm-hmm. show up, if the field's open, go ahead and use it. But like yeah. no one's ever gonna complain about that shit. And then we went to we moved to Orange like when I was in middle school, and like in high school I'd have a group of friends that were on Thanksgiving we'd play football and that's kind of how it started. But we were all young, we wanted to do it, and my cousins would want to do it, so we'd do it like every other weekend. And then we got pretty big where we'd like okay, there's like twenty of us, let's go to this nicer park where there's a bigger field, and we we're starting to go there. But it's a big park used for soccer, the soccer yeah. league there, and as that park. They developed like a new community center and like new bathrooms. I really did a lot to that park to kind of revamp it. But since they revamped it, like when we go there to play football, and it's a large group of us. And like, let's just say there's like one team practicing on the, this park is huge. Like the grass area is like from here to that main street where okay. I came off Alicia Parkway. Yeah. So it's huge. Like it's a huge area of grass. But like they're they see us from the other end and they call the city on us. Yeah, because they're like, well, we have a permit to be here and they don't. So yeah. Yeah, and it's just but it's BS. Like we're just you know messing around playing football. Yeah, you're not interrupting their practice. You're not in their area. Yeah, that's the worst part. It's literally like the stupidest thing because it's if if it's if you wanted a private park, put fences up. Mm -hmm. Like don't make it advertised as a public park. Yeah, don't do any of that shit because then you're just throwing people off. Because especially the older generation people, that's how it used to be. Yeah, you just show up at a park. If it's free, it's free. It's open. The field's open. Then go ahead and set up your whatever you want to play there and go at it yeah see that that frustrates me because they all the parks here used to have soccer nets Mm -hmm. and then they started locking them up so we built them out of pvc pipe and we went to go buy a net from like uh, big five just like seven bucks then we started doing that and i remember there was this one coach for ayso and he was a sheriff Mm. And he came by one day. We were nowhere near him. This field was huge, probably as big as the one you're saying. You know, and they're at the very end using their nets. There's, we're more than like, we're using small nets. So these nets were probably like, like three by three feet high and like two feet wide. You know, oh, shit. they weren't small, big. Yeah. yeah, they weren't big. So we needed to be mo- mobile. You know, and we could break them down pretty quick. Um, so and we were probably using like a. 10 by 15 area 
nothing big because it was like you know teams of four you know and there was more like passing drills and when nowhere near him he comes over and says i'm a sheriff you guys can't bring your own nets because they're gonna damage the grass and he broke them he broke them he like he broke them down and he called his sheriff buddy to come over and try to get everybody a ticket so but his sheriff buddy was not he wasn't a dick so he kind of walked everyone over to his car and goes oh you guys can go you know it's not a big deal he's like that guy's a jackass yeah but it's like there's people like that it's like you're nowhere near him but they're so entitled to like the park like hey we pay we pay 50 bucks to be here today you're a mile away from us but you're still in our park that's fucking ridiculous yeah yeah that's the worst part that's the worst thing ever i hate that damn you're just trying to have fun but i feel like kids nowadays miss out on that you know they're i don't see Mm -hmm. people out in the parks anymore no one's playing pickup games nothing Mm -mm. even like i mean i know i worked at a middle school this past school year okay and like skateboarding is really huge yeah um so i feel like if it wasn't for skateboarding and their whole interest into that culture none of them like the kids would go outside because they were just always on their phone even if you asked them to like like very few there was only like 10 kids that wanted to play soccer you know and like a predominantly hispanic school you know or like only like 12 kids wanted to play basketball or you mean so it was just really hard even when we have like those physical sport activities we thought like man like a hundred like when i was in pe whenever we do soccer we're like everyone's jumping to do that right yeah um because we don't want to do the sit-ups or whatever other stuff they were trying to teach us you know but like oh we could play soccer just free play like let's do it but like there's very few kids of that they don't want to do that anymore mm -mm. all these kids are little savages Mm-hmm. trying just, to get likes yeah and likes on instagram and all the stuff viral Sound, trying to be soundcloud rappers that's yeah yeah no that's man that's, they're true. missing out because growing up in middle school it was always soccer uh it was it was called back then smear the queer mm. that was a big thing uh tag Playing tag, butts up. You ever played butts up with a tennis ball? Yeah. You know, we're playing all these other things. Well, I remember we're playing handball. Handball and like, was big, yeah. With the big walls and stuff yeah. like that. But you, even then, like, handball, there was different variations because there was a jungle ball version. Yeah. Where, like, if you missed the hit and didn't get it to the wall, you had you, to run to the wall. And on the way to the wall, people could just, like, swing at you. Yeah, swing like, at you, yeah. What the fuck, you know? Like, yeah, this is the, yeah fun, they don't play but, that anymore. Or, no, I don't uh, think so, because I'm sure the teachers would fucking yeah. freak out about that kind of exactly. stuff. They're even like how you brought up the skateboarding culture. Like when I grew up, I was very big into skateboarding and uh, a lot of the kids were. So there was 20, 30 of us that were always skating everywhere and everyone had their own little crew. But we were all cool with everybody and we'd go to skate spots and they got so big that the city had to build a skate park. Um, but you go to the skate park now, it's empty. Mm-hmm. No one's there. You know, I don't see any kids skateboarding anywhere or anything. No one's at this park. Maybe one wow. or two people. But you show up and you see who's there. It's all these older generation people, like all the people in their t- late twenties or early thirties who are still skating. Right. But there's no younger kids in there. No, no one's big, big on that. But it wow. just goes to show how, like you know, technology changes things. Everyone's involved in their phones and. The game mm-hmm. consoles and you know and it has its pluses and minuses 
don't know. I mean, it could come in. I mean, it's like you're saying, it's got its benefits because now maybe you're producing more technology creative people so now you got more people in semi valley or more people creating apps or new technology that's going to advance certain things but at the same time you gotta i feel like there should be a balance where this kid should be outside and kind of learning i mean like kind of being a little bit more street smart you know yeah what i meant to say is like it's advantages and disadvantages okay and like an advantage for them is like i had middle schoolers that wanted to rap right and they wanted to be yeah. a soundcloud rapper but they actually like went out and made a song you know like produced a beat rapped over the beat and was able to like mix it and it sounded like decent where i know if i wanted to do that in middle school because i remember like friends in elementary and middle school would like we wouldn't like rap like as in a rap battleship but like every once in a while there'd be like the you know group of friends that yeah. could like throw some rhymes down and you're like oh you know but if we wanted to actually like make a song like how my friend not my friend how one of my kids did and put it on SoundCloud or whatever like we didn't have that opportunity so they do have that technological advantage, advantage over yeah. us for sure where they're more familiar with things they have a they have the platforms to like promote themselves and communicate themselves to like a larger group so that's kind of cool I, you know mm-hmm. that gives them more opportunity you know and it kind of leads back to um, I listen to a lot of podcasts. There's this podcast called the Nine the Nine Club, uh, which in skateboarding it's really hard to score like a nine mm-hmm. in like a contest. Um, so if you get in the Nine Club, it's a big deal. And they talk about how back in the day to get sponsored, you had to physically mail a VHS VHS tape of mm-hmm. yourself skateboarding to these companies and then they would email you and then they would tell you hey you're on the team but it would take months for them to get you your product or to even communicate to you about how you're going to get paid compared to now these kids throw up YouTube videos and a company will reach out to them and without them knowing and send them boxes of product and be like hey we see a YouTube channel why don't you wear the shirt a couple of videos and we're going to mm-hmm. send you a paycheck every so and so or or more free product you know and then right. eventually they bring you out to the skate contest and they sponsor you but they have a bigger platform to expose themselves so that's kind of i i like that out that kind of platform but i i think it also kind of limits kids kind of keeps them from experiencing some type of real world 100 mm-hmm. percent, yeah, yeah. And it kind like of i said back, disadvantages yeah, and kind of, advantages yeah exactly and it kind of leads back to what we were talking about earlier about how kids aren't very growing up these days with like actual trades or experiences in doing things you know they're they're mm-hmm. too attached to their phones and too reliant on their phones or technology wow which is good for my business because then they hire me to do stuff right yeah but even the, stuff like hanging up picture frames yeah but i think at the same time there should be like some kind of public school effort to kind of bring bring maybe bring shop back or automotive or some type of uh, trades like that where they get mm-hmm. them ex- more life experience you know because not everybody's um, mm-hmm. educational level is the same where they're all book smart and they're going to go be accountants or something right not yeah. everyone's capable some of people that. need that experience like for me school wasn't hard I just didn't apply myself but I wish I would have had more experiences to other options because everybody was always go to school go to school get a degree and then where i work now my full-time job i've met uh, a lot of carpenters and 
none of them have like the college education, but they have their own companies and they make a decent living or even better than a decent living, um, which it's not all about, but they're doing something they're enjoying. You know, they like to build stuff with their hands. But I wish somebody in high school had ex- had explained more to me, like, hey, there's more beyond just being book smart and getting mm-hmm. the piece of paper that says, which is more than just a piece of paper, because obviously you're putting in the work, you know, and getting this education. But, it's but yeah, but it's, I wish someone would have come to me and said, hey, have you ever looked into like maybe being a framer or conc- concrete work or asphalt or something like that? You know, like there's other options out there, and I, th- I get it from a educational point. They want more people to be more engineers, engineers, mathematicians, yeah, scientists, or focus on to educating themselves to like a certain level beyond whatever people do. But you also need all these people who do framing and all these other labor-intensive work because how's their homes going to get built? Mm-hmm. But and eventually that stuff might get outsourced by other countries yeah. i mean i know like india is huge on the it oh yeah right like anytime you call for it Something help and anything technical yeah it's always redirecting you to someone in india right yeah um because they're all smart in that so the less and less we have people who can actually be hand that's a different obviously field but the less and less people we can actually have with work with their hands someone else is going to come in and make that money off of that you know oh yeah but the tiles is back together Learn these trades and you'll survive an earthquake. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yeah, man. Brace uh, everything full circle. Thanks for listening to another episode of the My Mike and I podcast. I am your host, Noah Alvarez. Hope you enjoy the conversation with David and I. This podcast is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and now available on Stitcher TuneIn app and google play that's a mouthful to say i'll maybe find a better way about going about that but yeah guys thank you again please share the podcast in any form or fashion you can it would help if you guys could leave a rating and a review please as well Uh, much love to everyone listening great content on the way this summer really proud of the progress of this podcast thus far and anything i announce be sure to follow me on twitter at underscore noah alvarez also instagram at noha underscore alvarez sometimes i post polls and stuff there that get included on the show nonetheless yeah thanks again guys for tuning in to another episode i'll wrap things up this is noah alvarez signing off